0: Hello and welcome to You Made Me Watch That, where two film studies professors aim to expand each other's cinematic knowledge one recommendation at a time. I am your co-host, Colleen kennedy Carpott,
1: And I am your co-host, Wickham Flanagan.
0: And this episode is our 2023 rundown, where we go back over some of the stuff that we've missed. Yippee! Um, We celebrate the year that was. Um, Hallelujah. Look forward to the 2023 festival releases yet to come. Yes. um, Which I think we're doing a lot trickled out they, yeah I, yeah it feels slower this year yes. which we'll get into uh, but we do have specific recommendations yes. i recommended that you watch naiad well
1: you recommended two other things i
0: recommended two other things that we couldn't find
1: <laughs> but, i searched desperately for the boy and the heron
0: which i saw in theaters
1: and the Jalon film yes
0: Kuru otlar about yes. dry grasses is the yes. title. Yes,
1: I looked. So, I I did a thorough search.
0: Which I think is still in a couple of theaters here in yes. Turkey, at least. Um, it's it's making its rounds. I would have and so much rather not... watch
1: those than Naiad, but I also watched Naiad. I recommended Fair Play. Yeah. So I should say, <laughs> speaking of Fair Play and Naiad, uh, yeah. uh, Looking at this list, uh, Netflix is my movie god this apparently
0: year. Um, you did this to me in the summer as well
1: <laughs> well i don't know All, i mean
0: it's just a, an abundance of riches and and you, you're just like colleen there's this thing on netflix and I'm like, what
1: <laughs> it just seems like that the most of the the stuff that it was very convenient let's say some of these things i watched on disney plus um not to give them any credit really um but uh, the other things i think one of them i, I maybe found through ill-gotten means but like the 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 stuff like Dream Scenario, which I was very hyped for, the A24 Nicolas Cage movie about him in everyone's dream simultaneously, um, that is only available to purchase for, you know, 20 U.S. dollars. And I was not prepared necessarily to go that far. Yeah. Um, you know, so the, the, a lot of these movies and even Killers of the Flower Moon I really want to have watched that but yeah. I didn't feel like I wanted I wanted to watch it like genuinely.
0: Yes, and it was briefly here in theaters. Yes, yes. But I mean 2023 really just by the look of it from the outside looking in, and um, the fact that we feel so outside of it is indicative of things going on, but it looks like a real banger of a year for movies. There's all yes. kinds of cool stuff that ha- either has come and gone and passed us by, or is yet to come. Yeah. Um, much like the Ghost of Christmas yet to come. But yes. um, but still, yeah, Killers of the Flower Moon was here. I mean, part of this goes down to the fact that there are too many three and a half hour movies, Wickham. Yes.
1: That it, is definitely part of I it. I
0: mean, there was a point where all of this stuff was coming. It was the J-Lon. It was Scorsese. Yeah. There was at least one other one that I can't remember, but all of them were three and a half hours in the theater. All of them. And I am not against long movies and I principle. think we, we
1: the our recommendations befit that. I think that I shows mean, that we are totally down we, for a long movie. <laughs>
0: no, exactly. And I mean I did end up seeing the Jalen only because it was date night and it was playing at the newly reopened theater that yeah. we have here down the hill from us at the university. So they opened and they had it and it was there. It started at like 8 p.m., 9, it was 8.30 maybe, and I just said to you, look, I'm in if you're in let's see if we can make this work. And he was just like, are you sure you can do this? And I said, well, we're going to try because there are no subtitles too. So it's, you know, in full Turkish. And I'm just like, this is the only way I'm ever going to see this in the theater. So let's just do it. And I'm very proud that he only had to wake me up once. <laughs> I made it at least two hours in before I did finally nod off. I'd asked my grad students in advance, like, okay, is this like a visual Jalon or a talky Jalon?" And they said, Hojom, oh, it's pretty talky. And boy, were they right. I just... Like sensory, (laughs) mental, language overload. Couldn't handle it at a certain point, and I did not off. Anyway, after one good sharp elbow, I was in for the last hour, and it was it was fine. So I think there are things that I missed. I'd wanted to yeah. see it with proper subtitling and before I could we not talk, find that. and we can't find it yet. So I mean, we're sort of in limbo about a lot of twenty twenty three. Yes, and, and it's it's you know the critics get to see everything when it comes out, and the rest of us just sort of take it as it comes. And there you know, is, it is
1: like an embarrassment of riches, even in the context is, yeah. of like different genres, like the the. Whole horror genre this year has been pretty much pretty pretty great for different flavors. There's the A twenty four film Talk to Me. I don't know if hmm. you've heard of this. No. It's a it's a creepy party game hand that when you hold it, you are possessed by someone from beyond. It seems to be made by a couple of YouTubers who essentially made a very classy practical effects driven horror film oh, it's like but the a- daniels 20-
0: trajectory yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I have not that seemed very cool it was a24, not it. it's said? a24 you said 24 well that's
0: of a piece yeah.
1: um thanksgiving we've alluded to i've alluded to I, but again it's like i would rather watch maybe an awards contender film i mean some of my list will not reflect that i mean <laughs> depending on the evening i guess more recently i wanted to watch more higher caliber films but um i really wanted to watch that kind of trashy eli roth slasher thing about a pilgrim who kills people on thanksgiving um uh but instead you know i uh, i watched a movie called cobweb do you know what cobweb is
0: not as a movie no. so there's
1: a bunch of films that came out over the summer that essentially have been lost to time thanks to barbenheimer basically
0: right? yes it, it was um, the great black hole that swallowed
1: the and rest cobweb of the is season. one of those casualties ah, okay. but it's also a very halloween movie Okay. There's a lot of pumpkins, pumpkin patches. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, it's evil parents. It's uh, it's from a child's perspective, and he's talking to some mysterious person in his walls. Colleen, stop me if you've heard this one. And it's a little girl that tells him that his parents are harboring some dark secret, uh-huh. and uh, it could be an elaborate trap, or is it? Or are his parents actually evil? Uh, it's not a great film, um, but as an amalgamation, I put as I. Wrote in my letterbox as an amalgamation of a bunch of spooky imagery and some Halloween feels. It was totally fine. It has Lizzie Kaplan in it. Mm. Chaplin? Kaplan? Kaplan. Uh, I like Lizzie Kaplan. Kaplan. Yeah. She plays the mom. Oh. Um. But it really? was. Yeah, Already. But she. But, but like like she's, a like okay. a nervous because she's got those big eyes, sort mm. of neurotic. Okay. um Mom. And the uh, Homelander from the boys is the dad, Anthony Starr, and he can sell evil creep pretty well. Yeah. Um,
0: Well, before we get too far into our lists, do you want to cover our main recommendations first?
1: Well, I wanted to cover these random summer films while I'm thinking about it. Ah, I mean, we should save the piece de resistance for the.
0: (laughs) But that, but the, the, (laughs) I mean, our point is this is hardly the piece de resistance. Last year, Speak for yourself. When we did the 2023 rundown last year, somehow. I think it was even earlier than when we're recording. Happy Boxing Day, by the way, um, at the time of recording. Um, what? We recorded earlier than this, and everything was kind of out. I mean, yeah. streamers had the festival stuff, and and you know theaters had had the festivals. Um, I feel like everything is on a two-week delay this year. Like, maybe like maybe things just things came we, out
1: earlier in the fall. Like it's um, just
0: weird, but why? <laughs>
1: but like, decision to leave was on Mubi, which was very this convenient. Decision to leave
0: was Mubi, and Mubi's got some stuff, but I think Mubi also shifted there. Didn't it their... have
1: Priscilla at some point?
0: Priscilla is like around, but <laughs> I think not where we can get it. Same with the Todd Haynes for some reason. Yes, because Todd Haynes that feels like May an December. American.
1: Yeah, Netflix It's been release. out in yes.
0: in the U.S., but I don't think it has hit Turkish Netflix yeah, yet no, for whatever not. reason um
1: rebel moon has
0: rebel moon whatever, maestro right maestro just dropped so yeah. i mean but this is the thing like everything is dropping now for new years it's like they're adjusting to this turkish holiday schedule in a weird way
1: maybe i think um, maestro was internationally the same day
0: was it really yeah, yeah. On mm-hmm. well but it, it had a theatrical run anyway yeah. a brief yeah, yeah. one you know an awards qualifying kind of thing in the states um, and it was in festivals. I mean, it you know, people had seen it before it came out. And that yes. that's always the trajectory that we hear about these things in the spring. And, you know, we're already gearing up for the next festival season, um, kind of on the back burner. And then those will be the films that trickle out for the rest of the year. But I feel like a lot of that stuff has been withheld to the end and withheld longer than it was in the past. And so... You know, you and I went back and forth for weeks. Okay, you know, end, year, end of year is coming. End of year is coming. What do we have to recommend? And either <laughs> either we'd seen totally different <laughs> things in theaters, and that hadn't been out yet to catch up with. The last thing I saw in theaters these...
1: was Oppenheimer, I think. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't really go to the theater, hence why Netflix was my okay. movie yeah. bible.
0: Managed to hustle for the J-Lon. Um, I also managed to see uh, another Turkish film that has just come out for a general release called Suddenly, Anya uh, directed by Melissa Anell and co-authored by Anell and a uh, friend of mine, de Cicicolo. So, I mean, my review will obviously be biased because yes. I know the filmmakers. But uh, I took my husband to the Ankara Film Festival where it was playing. And it was subtitled, thankfully. <laughs> it was a little less talky than the j on. It would have been okay, I think. Um, but this is... Um, Very happily, a Turkish entry into my favorite category of um, women dealing with middle-aged issues. We have Um, our different flavors. We have our different flavors.
1: Women with a problem. Yes, this
0: is the problem being middle-aged. It's a very slow burn, but it never really drags. It's it's very kind of pensively paced, but I mean, there is enough of this like angst, in each of these mm-hmm. you know, slowest shots to, to push the thing going. Um, it's of interest as well for its representation of disability, um, even though if the main actors are not themselves disabled. And these are people I recognized. I was also very proud of myself. Um, Defne Kayalaj, uh, who people around the world might know from the Netflix series Kadersh, uh, known as Ethos in English. She was one of the main characters there. And onar uh, Erkan, who I think is not so internationally known, but he's known for a lot of other Turkish stuff. So I recognized the lead. I know the filmmakers, Aniden, in theaters now in Turkey. So you can rush out and find that one. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I also saw The Boy and the Heron um, in Japanese with, no, with Turkish subtitles. And that Another was also very talky. talky. Yeah, So I, mean, I don't feel
1: like you've watched these movies. I have,
0: But I've seen, I mean, look, my, my kids also went to see this. I took my 10-year-old and my 6-year-old to The Boy and the Heron. And 10 year old can read, you know, no, no problem. I mean, there are words that I saw in the subtitles. Normally with subtitles, I can handle things okay. Even if it's Turkish subtitles, I'll I'll get enough to get the movie. But man, there were words there that I have never seen in my life. I checked it with my husband at the uh, midpoint break. um, And I, I said, is it weird that I don't know these words? He goes, no, no, no. This is very, like, storybook sort of classical language. Like, he, he confirmed my suspicion about how this was playing out. So anyway, I just sort of let the thing wash over me. And how my six-year-old Mia's... was in the same position. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't understand Japanese. She can't read the Turkish at all, really, at this point just yet. She's still working on it. But she was still in, you know? I mean, when she gets bored, she'll start running around and bothering people, which she didn't do. So there is a visual component to the Miyazaki that, that much... is very compelling
1: miyazaki do you all play around in your house the kids
0: have watched pretty much anything that's available on netflix from ghibli so that includes all the miyazaki projects i think um so they've seen everything at this point uh, i haven't watched all of it with them but i've i've seen a few of the big ones i've seen spirited, spirited away, away. Um, totoro um Actually, no. I haven't seen. I've seen Totoro and not Spirited Away. That's that's it. Spirited Away um, is great. Kiki's delivery service, which is wonderful.
1: Spirited Away um, is very similar in some respects. I think in terms of its chaoticness, it reminds me a lot, or vice versa, of Paprika. Hmm, yeah, it, it's from a, a little girl's perspective, so it's yes. not as you know weird and surreal, but it is this other world essentially, and it, it, the chaos of it. It, it I've. Both of those movies, I've rarely been so kind of feel like I'm I'm in a place I don't belong, but also I'm able to follow it. Uh-huh. Um, Spirited Away does a very good job of anchoring you to her perspective, even though it's this crazy spirit realm and there's all these crazy kind of uh, character designs and things that mm-hmm. are never really explained. Um, so I would that movie is a nice contrast to Totoro. Um, yeah, the Boy and the Heron I heard was yeah kind of. Kind of relatively subdued compared to comparatively to some of Miyazaki's other stuff,
0: maybe. I mean, Princess right were...
1: Mononoke, too, is this kind of very bombastic mm-hmm. spectacle movie.
0: There were moments of spectacle in this one, though. I mean, okay. there, there were parts where it was big, and I was keeping an eye on my younger daughter. Um, just to but I mean, again, she was captivated. It wasn't so like cre- there were some creepy moments, but they were pretty well contained. Um, I, I, I am j- my only regret is that I missed. Robert Pattinson's performance as the Heron, which apparently no, I mean, truly, I like, I,
1: I regret myself too for having missed that. I, I mean, it's the highlight it, of the eventually, year. Eventually,
0: when it comes out on streaming, it's going to be dubbed. You, I mean, the, the Miyazaki stuff is very good. They get you know really big actors yes um, to do the English dubs. um It's good that with streaming you can choose. I mean, I know there are the diehards who are. Or you know, in, in, into the manga and, and doing everything in in native Japanese, but um, anyway, it's I apparently he really embraced this sort of you know like bird cawing kind of tone to it. He he really <laughs> went there, like so. And I mean, you know, Patson does really well when he. You know, goes to the weird places, so it's like it's like he became like one be a with the seagull of the lighthouse and channeled that into this performance. It's a secret sequel
1: to the lighthouse?
0: Um, spiritual successor. Can I say.
1: branch off of that to a yeah. children's movie? Sure. I, mean, I know you watched another children's movie. I've
0: watched a ton of children's movies. I don't um, even think I, I listed could not, all of them.
1: I could not finish this one, and for very obvious reasons, I watched the beginning part of Elemental.
0: Ah. I didn't see that one. Which is
1: a Pixar joint.
0: My kids saw that one with my mother, so.
1: What did they think of it?
0: They were really excited to see it. I mean, they, they, especially my older daughter, who's 10, she picks up on Disney Hype. I don't know where she gets right. it, but I mean, when she finds out that a Pixar thing is coming out, wherever they put that news, she finds it. And she will go through all of the different trailers and follow the release schedule and this and that and you know, get herself pumped up for it. So she was all ready to see Elemental. And of course, she drugs her sister into this enthusiasm as well. Um, so they really wanted to see it and they saw it. And that was like basically it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's it was kind very of the similar movie. to
0: wish, actually, which i she was even more excited to see wish.
1: Um, which is more, more kind of nostalgia? Yes, baity. I mean,
0: yes. Elemental is a new property. The release I was and Wish is much more Disney. Disney with the you know princess legacies, but I mean, we can talk yeah. about Wish separately. I but, found you know, they Elemental, saw Elemental. It wasn't terribly well reviewed. No,
1: it was. I found it very shocking in two distinct ways. One, I don't think I was anticipating how pretty it was. Mm. It it is essentially a world comprised of like clouds, which are air. Uh, earth people, uh, fire people, and water people. So these essential elements. And it opens with you being introduced to this town a la kind of like a Zootopia introduction, right. this kind of metropolis of all of these elements. And I was really taken with it aesthetically. It was, it's this really, they they have really, they have put a bunch of money or they have <laughs> evolved their tech considerably since the last time I saw a Pixar film. I don't know what it was. Um, but the fidelity of like the fire lady, mm. the way that the the different elements are integrated with these somewhat um, realistically rendered backgrounds, because mm. um, they kind of have like two D animated faces. At least the fire people do, because it's you know it's it's on like a little fire animation as well. Yes. Um, I was like, wow, this looks cool, and then it devolved into a really poorly written. Hmm. Romantic comedy with this this kind of message about acceptance of other people. Essentially, the fire people don't like the water people, and the water people don't like the fire people. Again, like, like
0: Zootopia. Yeah. Again. <laughs> but it was
1: poorly written. It was like a really yeah. substandard script and it completely deflated like this kind of like wacky, like, oh, you know, you're a fire lady and you're you're it, like it 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 was it was so poorly um it was so shocking. I actually rewatched Tangled. Spe- oh, um, with Atlas because I remember liking that movie. I rewatched yeah. Zootopia. Speaking of Zootopia with Atlas, yeah. Zootopia is so well written comparatively. I don't know if you remembered. And Tangled, everyone Tangled's remembers great. Tangled being very boring.
0: No, who who says that?
1: People do. What the 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 ether?
0: Like people on the internet?
1: Because I think people associate it with like, oh, it's just Rapunzel.
0: Oh no. It, but it's, it's so funny it's, and yes, clever and, 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 and,
1: and, and like, I was I was I was happy to return to it because I was yes. reminded about and that's also very much like a romantic comedy, essentially. It is,
0: but it's it's that's Rapunzel I mean, cause Disney has done the rewriting yes. of things, like you know, doing Maleficent as a rewrite of Sleeping Beauty, rewriting yeah, well, Alice in, but, like, a, but I mean
1: Maleficent's a bad Tangled
0: trip, or... is not so much of a rewrite in the end. Like there right. is enough of the core story of Rapunzel that it is recognizably Rapunzel and and yeah but they still manage to update certain ideas about it in absolutely delightful they, ways they go
1: into like this seedy bar with all these yes. awful people and then because she's a magical Disney princess they all just decide <laughs> to sing about their dreams yes. I was like this is great <laughs> one and then, of them
0: wants to like sing show tunes yeah that's, yeah yeah.
1: they, they all have delightful. their dreams it's very magic mike xxl there you um go. but uh but yeah watching elemental it made a fantastic first impression i'm like okay if if they can keep this going and then just the writing was just very very substandard so i didn't yeah. i didn't finish it atlas got bored he wandered away Ooh. Uh, he enjoyed Tangled um, yeah. and Zootopia. We we sat through the entirety of Zootopia, but um, and
0: Zootopia is not a short movie. No,
1: no, but it, it no. it's so good. There's yeah. The Godfather thing in oh, the middle. the
0: the sloth at the DMV is my. The
1: point. sloth at the DMV, um, <laughs> because so- every
0: adult in the theater was losing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> And the kids are just like, why is this funny?
1: Well, like, well no, do you remember the, the little, I, don't, I think it's a mole or something, that, that's the godfather? He's like, Who come to me on my daughter's wedding. It's like, what a weird <laughs> reference in the middle of this uh, Disney movie. Well
0: but, well, but I mean, it's a little bit like um, Animaniacs, which I think you're too young to have really no, grown but up the, with the Animaniacs. the anarchy but...
1: of references. Well, and, it, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. But it's, I mean, every reference in Animaniacs is something that a 10-year-old would yes, not understand. Yeah, yeah. But it's like laying the groundwork for things that you will eventually. Truly understand. So now that my kids have discovered Animaniacs, they don't understand, you know, classic Hollywood stuff. And I'm like listening from the front seat as they're watching this on you know, on the road to Izmir or whatever, and I'm losing it. And they're just like, "Mommy, Mama, what's so funny? <laughs> you'll understand <laughs> when you read the memoirs in a few years. <laughs> you'll start to understand who these people are." Anyway, but uh, yeah, was, so uh, uh,
1: other what, what... kids'
0: movies. While we're on, yeah. it, I one I have not seen in full. But, my kids have watched now, I think, in full of themselves multiple times. it's called leo it's
1: the uh the tur- lizard the, oh, I thought he was a turtle
0: no, it's a it's some kind of lizard or iguana okay. or something like it's he's a class by, voiced by Adam Sandler right um it's charming it's it it's it's, it's just, another Netflix joint right it's another Netflix joint but there again the writing really sells it like it is yeah. pitching both to the kids my kids obviously love it if they've watched it multiple times already that means you know Again, i, I try not to control their media <laughs> like they just open the kids on netflix and pick what that's they want that's how
1: they're able to sneak christmas movies this is actually. how they
0: yes exactly somehow they sneak the Hallmark christmasy stuff off netflix but but that they will switch away from They never switch away from <laughs> the animated they feel guilty somehow <laughs> somehow it's which Again, I don't know where that comes from, um, but anyway, Leo, I caught myself watching with my little daughter while she was having a snack, and you know she was halfway through it, so she started at, a, at that point. And I, it just the jokes were great, and Sandler clearly has an affection for this character. Um, he showed up. He, yeah, he did. He showed up, like I mean Robert he's apparently Pattinson. yes, yeah. uh, he has been showing up. I guess for his voice acting commitments. Yeah. Hotel he Transylvania was nice also <laughs> better than it probably. Could have been, um, in, in large part because he's involved. Um, yeah. So anyway, Leo, I, I would like to sit down and watch the whole thing. Uh, what else? Hilda, uh, my, my we basically binged the entire third season of Hilda, which if you've missed on, if you've not seen Hilda. no, It's great. Really, truly. Um, that is a fantastic show to just start from the beginning and wander through. It is a completely, like, I mean, I think really... I'm thinking about this, and the more I think about it, I think it rivals Tolkien in its world building. There are just there are creatures that we haven't seen before that I mean, or they're a variation on like like trolls. Like trolls are a thing there, but the way trolls work in Hilda's universe is very distinct from, you know, like European mythology trolls. like it's it is its own self-contained fantasy world it's emotional it is about parents and children it is about i wouldn't know anything origins uh, it just it's it is for children but it it will really grab anybody's emotions and heartstrings and just yank them all over the place it is wonderful every I mean, it's not it's not a waste of time
1: mm. sounds terrible so,
0: oh I guess hill does just great hill does great um, just
1: being contrarian.
0: I guess, yeah. Anything
1: um, that tries to pull at my heartstrings, I actively reject. Well, it has to do it in a way that completely catches me off guard.
0: So, sh- does this mean we should talk about Wish since we're on? I was thinking, yeah, well, like Banshees of But um But
1: speaking of Yes, for children. No, but that, that was emotional in unexpected ways. Uh, Wish, is that emotional in unexpected ways?
0: Wish, okay. It, I just
1: thought the look of Here's Wish was terrible.
0: I- it was dark. It was. I mean, Wish. Okay. So I, So again, my daughters got all excited about it. We ended up seeing it opening weekend. We saw it in three D, and I feel they like they still have three D movies. They still have three D movies. Oh Wickham. my god! I know. And Wish is one of them. And I swear it was dark. Like, just the color of it. I don't know if it was our projection. It might have been, If yeah. it was the glasses. Because at some point, I'm, like, taking the glasses off just to see, like, is that corner of the screen lit? <laughs> like, is, am I, is, this, is it supposed to look like mud? Because it looked like mud to it's me.
1: Probably the 3D, yeah.
0: I mean, I think it would have been a lot better if it weren't 3D, truly. Um, Most movies. Just lean into the old... Because the thing about Wish is, it is in many ways a fairly radical story for disney that is buried in a distinctly non-radical trotting out of every disney movie ever made <laughs> because it's it, it it exists as a sort of capstone of disney's centennial
1: yes this a hundred year thing that's the whole thing.
0: point it's a hundred year thing and i mean i'm sitting i did not realize this going in you know my daughter finds all the hype and gets herself hyped up and I think she knew this and somehow I didn't know this going in and and I'm sitting there wondering why am I seeing like the squirrels from the 70s productions? Why am I seeing like these, you know, design callbacks, you know, the trees that look like Sleeping Beauty, the this, the this. I mean, it just... You know, every every minute you're thinking I've seen this before. I've seen this before and finally you realize, oh no, that this is the point. Like it happens often enough that you just think the, this is the reason why they made this movie. Once upon
1: a time in Hollywood, snap. Snap? The Leo. Oh, the yes. meme no, of him I mean, pointing like, No, in... but you're
0: just frozen in that position yes. for the entire first <laughs> half of the movie and you know, I I they They do confirm that this is deliberate by the end credits where you know the end credits are going, and then they're like putting little firework you know uh, silhouettes putting up little firework silhouettes of various Disney characters you know, here's Jasmine from Aladdin and here's you know the uh, Merlin from Sword in the Stone and here's I, I mean just you know going back and doing mm-hmm. the deep cuts and like really getting into it um so
1: any w- black cauldron you references know, uh. <laughs> The Skull Man?
0: I may not have caught that. But again, this was in Turkish again. So I I also missed out on the thing I really wanted to see, which was um, Chris Pine, Best Chris, kind of cranking up the camp as the evil villain. Um, So anyways, what's radical about the story here, and so I can't really speak to the writing because I was, you know, kind of just it wasn't even subtitled so i'm just sort of managing and you know dealing with the references you've watched and so, so many
1: films this way i
0: have watched so many films this year this way because <laughs> it's not a problem for my kids like right. watch, they watch they prefer the english but they, they watch didn't it see the Tur-
1: J-lon film but yeah
0: no um but like we watched super mario brothers when that was out well, in that, that, turkish the, the,
1: the, the dialogue I mean, for that is not super i mean important. it is
0: no yes i think wishes is a bit more elevated than that uh but uh, but, you know, my elder daughter did summarize it for me. Like, here's this, and and I asked her, so what's it about? You've seen these trailers. Now, what's it about? And she said nothing about the, the nostalgia bit, but she said, OK, so there's this girl um, and she lives in a kingdom where the king you know, controls everybody's wishes. And then once a year, he grants the wishes. And then she realizes that actually he's evil and she leads a revolution to overthrow him. Very matter of factly. And I said, a revolution, huh? Yes. Oh, (laughs) I mean, when you put it that way, which that is exactly what the movie does, (laughs) like she leads a revolution with her friends and they try to overthrow this tyrant. And it's obviously this real insistence on his status as a tyrant and he shouldn't be doing these things. You know, people's wishes belong to them. It's part of who they are. You don't put that power in the hands of a single person. It's like, yet. Disney, you don't put wishes in the hands of a single entity. I mean, it's 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 kind of subversive. Like kudos to whoever decided to make that. The totally unnecessary narrative that's grafted on to this. Well, that that makes it feel more
1: disingenuous, does it? Because it's it's like we're hiding the one kind of cool element behind all this fan service and whatever else. I mean,
0: well, that's that's the thing. They're they're hiding a very subversive element, a potentially subversive element. I mean, it's Disney. It's not going to be cranked up to you know, you know, dead Kennedy's anarchy or anything like that. But um, it's it's a lot less anodyne than it could have been. Honestly. Um, And so that was, I think, the one encouraging thing. I mean, there's not nearly enough of it. It's not allowed to, you know, it's not given the space in the midst of all this nostalgia to really develop in a way that's all that compelling. But my kids really like the music. They're playing the soundtrack for themselves at home from the theatrical run. So, I mean, by that measure, it's a success, um, at least in my household. Is it as good as it could have been? I mean, how good is it going to be if the point of it is to resell you a hundred years of existing movies? I just, it's. I should say yeah. that
1: Disney, in general, this year had one of the. Given that it is the 100th year, has had one of the worst financial. Yes. Wish bombed. Elemental totally bombed. Elemental yeah. had some. Legs, but um well, Indiana but that, it Jones... was a, it was a
0: big summer thing, right? Elemental was a big June release yes and and yeah, and it, Indiana it, Jones it fizzled a lot faster than it should be Indiana Jones was a big flop
1: of all the Marvel stuff. so ironically, given that Disney had its 100 year and they mapped it out to perfection it, it really <laughs> did not. Did not pan out for them. The, no, I even mean, critically too. Like true. So, like most of these true. movies did not review. Really.
0: No, it's true. Elemental had very middling reviews. Wish is getting kind of even worse. Wish is getting really terrible. I, I mean, I think we do need to give credit for that. Uh, for you know, again, I like that potential subversion. <laughs> I want to give some credit for this, but is it you know is it enough? I mean, in the I end, want to no. give credit
1: yeah to Elemental for all of this design work that went into it. This, yeah, the yeah, concept art. Yeah. It, if it, if the script is bad, it's one of those fundamental things that in animation, um, when you're preoccupied with with some elements over others, everything has to be kind of working in sync. Um, it's amazing that any animated film is uh, is is firing on all cylinders like some of them are. Did you know they're making by the way a Toy Story five.
0: That doesn't surprise me. I
1: know. It's, how are they going to freaking keep that
0: I don't know. Train it, cooking? Four, four was better than it should have been, yes, it probably I shouldn't four have happened.
1: Lot. I know. It's a weird ass <laughs> movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can I go to now to something completely different? Okay. I saw No Hard Feelings.
0: No Hard. Oh, this is the Jennifer Lawrence <laughs> yes, comedy I vehicle. I don't know why
1: I watched it. I, uh, I watched it. Okay. It's about Jennifer Lawrence seducing a 20 year old guy by her his parents want her to go out on dates with him to get him out of his comfort zone. Right.
0: So basically she's a hooker a, a hired hooker by the parents cuz
1: she wants a free car.
0: And she's like kind of a like pre-midlife
1: yes. failure. What flop. is it Montauk? Okay. It's like uh, yeah. like the beach side of New York. Right. Yeah.
0: No, um Massachusetts. Massachusetts.
1: Massachusetts. I have no I, idea um north beachside
0: somewhere yes so there's always England and she's
1: she's yeah she's in pre-midlife crisis and you know what no hard feelings given how kind of terrible that premise is (laughs) it was okay (laughs) Okay. Uh, and the thing I fundamentally appreciate about no hard feelings for one thing one reason why I wanted to watch it it was a big studio comedy released in theaters over the summer i don't know yeah. how well it did probably not very well but do you know how rare that is these days oh
0: yeah yeah they they they, it didn't look like anything else coming out yes
1: but the last thing that time that happened i think was game night oh which we both go on record to say we enjoy game it was nights. i
0: i didn't even know it existed until yes. it showed up on a plane playlist yeah. and he watched it first it, came to it was theaters. like you should see this and he was right
1: I'm not going to go that far with No Hard Feelings, um, but uh, it's like a kind of a dirty, um, lowbrow John Hughes movie. Uh, John Hughes? um, Perfectly exemplified by the fact that Matthew Broderick shows up in it. Does he? Yes, as the dad.
0: Oh, See, now you're just projecting through casting, I think.
1: No, it has that feel of like, he's like a young guy and it's like weird science where it's like, there's like self-conscious, weird science is a weird Weird but it's movie. but
0: it's kind of more about her, or at least as much about her, which yes. Hughes wouldn't do. I mean, that to me, I think is the the twist there.
1: But there's what I really like about it. I think fundamentally is Jennifer Lawrence essentially made it a movie. Like she didn't have to do this. Um, she puts herself. She's you know in some very ridiculous scenes in it. She's a lot of physical comedy stuff in it. But essentially, the story goes that her friend wrote the script. Oh. Um, and she thought it was a very, very funny script. He, he is also direct, the director of the movie. I don't necessarily remember his name. I could look that up. But um, and she was like, "Sure, I'll do this."
0: Yeah, because what?
1: she really liked it. Yeah. and it has that feel of like Jennifer Lawrence kind of slumming hanging it, friends. hanging out with friends, making this kind of silly movie. And she has very good chemistry with the young man who she's. Uh, there's a lot of like self-conscious seduction, which right. I find very funny. Like she she goes to his pet store because that's where he works, and she's trying to wear like this flamb- flamboyant outfit and make all these innuendos. And then at one point, she's driving in a van because she can't afford a car. So she said, "Let me give you a ride in my van," and, <laughs> and he's like, "I don't know." It's, it's about and then she ends up masing her, and it's, that's their that's their meat cute. It's,
0: it's it's shades of. Um... Um, what was the woman Scarlett Johansson in the van
1: Oh, that you made me watch? Uh, under the Skin? Oh, Under the Skin, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he, he naturally thinks that she's there to yeah. abduct him. Um, so it has its moments. It's kind of schmaltzy by yes. the end, um, weirdly. But, yeah, well, um, I mean, but that, it's okay. that's a commercial
0: comedy. I, that's that's what it is. I, I, all respect, too, to Jennifer Lawrence, who yes. is sort of, they're, they're trying to bring her back. After, you know, maybe a fallow period, she stepped away a bit. She is older than she was. Yes. She's sort of aging out of the ingenue kind of roles. So this is the kind of thing that, you know, Hollywood doesn't write very well. So that they, that, that she did this is, is one thing. But I, I also heard that Jennifer Lawrence was initially supposed to play um, Elizabeth Holmes, the Theranos lady. Oh, Um uh, in in a, in a one of the, it was one of these cases where there was one show already in development with um,
1: Amanda, yes, Seyfried Amanda Seyfried, and yeah.
0: um, which is the one that eventually came out and kind of at the same time or not too long after that was d- like close to done. There was a second project about the same person and and Lawrence was cast, and she said she watched Seyfried and just went. She did it. I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, why would I? That's fine. Like, there's there's basically, I can't top this. There's no alternate yeah. take. I'm out. And so it just got scrapped. I'm like, good for her for just coming out and just being like, no. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous to do this. I wish more projects would, you know, take a look at the sort of parallel project and just go, yeah, you know what? Why don't we talk about something
1: else? Why don't I just do this thing that my friend wrote that I thought was really funny? Uh, yeah. Good. Yeah. Good.
0: It was fun. That's good. It was okay. Okay. Well, I'll keep that in mind when that comes around.
1: Um, do you want to pivot to some of these Netflix films?
0: Um, let's see. Is there anything else I want to talk about? Um,
1: can you bounce off of a, a dumb summer comedy?
0: Can I um, bounce off of, like, kids movies and dumb summer comedy to something that is definitely not for children and not really a comedy at all and this is probably what i should have given you to watch but it's um it's a movie called passages from director ira sachs uh which is available now on mubi and i just why didn't you
1: give me the Sorry sounds better than (laughs) naiad
0: there's there are good things to be said about naiad we'll get into it um I just want to shout out Mr. Iris Axe for making something that is compelling, adult, emphasis on adult, and also worth seeing, packed into a tight 90. Like pig. Believe it or not, I, I'm... Well, it's it is, it is not pig. <laughs> no, but pig <laughs> but yes, is my go I mean, Yes, that's yeah. the yeah. Yes, you can do it, studios. Yes. You can do this. Um, Franz Rogowski is getting a lot of recognition for his performance in this movie, not without reason. He's German, I think. Um, anyway, it, it also pe- features uh, a personal favorite of mine, Ben Whishaw. Oh, I did see something. Adele Exarchopoulos is involved. She's absolutely it's ben smoldering. Wishaw. Yes, it is. This is like peak hotness times two or three depending on how you count this um and there's like zero time for setup slash foreplay it's just like boom Who's clothes the lady? come off We're like what <laughs> i mean it really just it's they get into it super hot super heavy super fast and it's just it is it is basically this you know Chaotic bisexual F-boy who is determined to oh, make mincemeat um, of his own romantic life, personal life. Bluest, the, the life... warmest
1: color woman. What's that? It's the bluest, the warmest color woman. Yes. yes,
0: yes. Who's been in a lot lately, although I haven't really been keeping up with her career. Uh, but no, she's one of the hot young things uh, in French cinema at the moment. Um, and she's in this one. I mean, intimacy coordinators working overtime <laughs> on this. <laughs> (laughs) Um, it's, all of it looks like it was shot through an Instagram filter. Um, that's an observation, not an insult. It does have a very particular aesthetic to it. Um, there's a, one of the like production notes, a set piece that I found really telling, um, There's a shelf in the Rogowski Wishaw kitchen that is just millimeters from falling off the entire wall, and it's the metaphor for their crumbling relationship, but it's just like every time it's on the screen, and it's more than once, but I'm just like, it's I, put it in like, like, I just want to reach into the screen and be like... Does just, the
1: camera emphasize it? No. no. Like,
0: like Wishaw's just in front of this thing talking. He's in front of... this. I mean, it's like nobody interacts with it at all, but it is just in the back. And if you've ever had one of those sort of floating shelves that's like slowly leaning down like a, like a horizontal Tower of Pisa, I mean... It just it's it's anxiety producing just to see that while in the background of these sho- while they're having it at, well, in no, front of this shelf. No, they're actually arguing about their relationship oh, okay. in front of the shelf, which is again like this is how you know it's a metaphor for their crumbling relationship. It's barely holding anything together. Passages. Yeah, folks, I, I passages. Saw, I
1: saw a poster for this somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't know it was on movie. It,
0: it's in a whole bunch of people like critics' best of lists for the year. That sounds way better
1: um, than the one other one. They well, I, if I, anyway, I I
0: just I'm sorry. Speaking of. You can watch it for next time.
1: And slightly erotic films. Yeah. So I recommended
0: slightly or okay. Slightly.
1: Yeah. Well, twisted.
0: Fair play on Netflix.
1: Yeah, you clearly loved it.
0: Oh my God, why did you make me watch this movie? I liked it. I don't know why. Why? <laughs> what? What about it?
1: I thought it was interesting. Why? Well, it's uh, it uses period blood as foreshadowing. and Not many movies do that. Um, what else? It's, it's, about... a, it's
0: not only foreshadowing. Okay, so okay, the, the general plot, <laughs> let's 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 start with a thumbnail plot.
1: Okay, what's the thumbnail?
0: Um two young people, let's say they're about 30, are analysts in some big capitalist New York firm. Um and then you know, they get engaged, that's in the opening sequence in
1: a kind um, of weird whimsical way. And
0: and yes, in an unexpected I mean that's I have my I have all all kinds of issues with the way that they did this they're attending a wedding together he proposes to her she accepts they're engaged yay yay like a week later she gets promoted to you know she's no longer she's a PM whatever that stands I have no idea it's such a weird I I, I, fully don't care about the capitalist underpinnings of whatever this firm is but anyway she gets promoted so that now he's her underling Mm -hmm. but because they're working together they have to keep this whole thing between the romance the romance is a secret at work Um, So that was tough to begin with. And now she got promoted and it becomes completely untenable. But also because she's a woman who got promoted over her significant other. He absolutely cannot stand it. And things between them unravel to the point where everyone's embarrassing themselves. And um, it it just it gets really nasty in extremely predictable ways. And I would say
1: somewhat predictable ways. It it becomes more it's more chaotically. It unravels more chaotically than I think its predictableness implies. And there's a lot of like red herrings that it kind of throws. I did like the fact that, so because of all this, he decides to do a, go to like a BS, you know, masculine inspirational trainer. And guess who's playing the bullshit masculine inspirational trainer? He's the he's the guy who's recounting his dream in Mulholland tribe. <laughs> And I went, well, this guy's not. is not going to give good advice. It's a little intertextual yeah. little nod of like, this is not a good person to listen to. Um, no, what I liked about oh. it, uh, Colleen, oh. uh, aside, you know, it's a little predictable. I, I think at the first half I was expecting it to go a certain way and it went a little bit more twisted than I thought it would. Um, I appreciate that it's it's less that she got promoted and more that he can't he he associates it with her being an attractive woman right that she has to have done something and that's what he can't stand extra to get promoted no that
0: that is that is the narrative that he is giving himself right because he cannot believe that she got there on her own merits and right. this is a tale as old as time
1: in honest. movies
0: i so one of the things i haven't yet talked about and i know i mentioned this to you earlier is um blue eye samurai right Episode five is my favorite episode of blue Eye Samurai. It is exactly this narrative. Okay. Like it's a flashback. She has this, this t- the titular samurai um, ten- who normally is living as a man, was once living as a woman and, and ends up like married to this other guy and, you know, things, I'm not going to spoil it, but I mean, the, the point of it is she bests him at sword play just as things are going really well and like they might just get along like she she beats him (laughs) with swords and you know she's just like ha you know is willing to throw it off like it's it's fine like you know she's not trying to you know emasculate him or anything but of course that's not how he takes it and then the whole thing falls apart because he can't handle that she's better than he is (laughs) and that's just it i mean women are not allowed under patriarchy to succeed especially more than their partner and like Men just lose their minds when this happens. And so to me, like this whole narrative is just unbelievably predictable. Everything that he says.
1: Dread for days.
0: It's it's not even dread. It's just, I mean, beat for beat, it's all coming out the same way. I mean, I was just not thinking like, how did this movie even... Make him a, a worthy big... partner to begin with. And here's where we go back to the period blood. So they're <laughs> they're attending this wedding and they're getting it on in the bathroom and suddenly yes. there's blood everywhere. And like, first of all, come on, lady, like you're you're 30 and you're not carrying your tampons. Like, come on, like <laughs> she that's unbelievable in itself. Um, the fact that they're just like, oh, but they haven't even taken the photos yet. I'm sorry, if the bar is open, the photos are done. Okay, like, this this is has the this has five minutes of the ever, film. I mean, it's like, has this person ever attended a wedding, been in a wedding? Like, no, you you get the photos out of the way before the alcohol bottles are open. Like that's just basic, basic protocol. Anyway it's just but this is like to me i think this is the one thing that the film does that strikes you because yeah it's weird to see period blood in a movie it's rather striking over But this is again. in the first
1: yeah well yes it's on I the mean, bed it's, yeah. uh,
0: yes but i mean like this is not just foreshadowing for what's to come but it's also code for this guy is a good guy he's 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 a feminist enough to
1: like, i didn't see it. that at all
0: i this i mean this is the only thing that i can think of they do that in the, the souvenir
1: if you yes, remember yes part two. they do
0: this in this i do remember this and it's because it's so striking when it happens it's like oh i mean i think it is sort of code for guy's a decent enough dude is not squicked out by lady things and but it turns but out also, he's very squicked out <laughs> by success of his lady but friend, it's also like, blood it, is.
1: There's, it there's, is. It feels very deliberately I, that's like... That's
0: not... Yes, but There will be blood. I mean, come on. Wake up. There will
1: be blood. Written <laughs> and directed by Chloe Dumont. Yes. Uh, I think it's very well made. I think that even in its predictableness... Oh, my God.
0: The whole thing is so predictable. What,
1: what, what were you predicting?
0: I just... I. I, I... It's all going to fall apart. I mean, honestly, well, no, no yeah, I would that's have appreciated. Yes, without spoiling what happens at the ending, what did not happen that I thought was going to happen is that she was going to like pull out scissors, Dealman style, and just
1: well, she sort of does.
0: No, not yeah. that's not close enough.
1: It's more psychological.
0: That's not close enough. Okay, it just no.
1: Then no. that would have been too predictable.
0: Well, I mean, she
1: does break a bottle over his head.
0: Yes, that's yes, true. Because he's I mean, being
1: a raging piece of crap. Well, yes, um, and
0: he continues to do so. I mean, it just—I, I, I, I just—it's one of those movies where it's like, if, if
1: what's wrong? I, I don't
0: believe these people. <laughs> I don't believe these people. I mean, and, and then, of course, she tells her mother about the engagement, as you would, and the mother is also just a garbage mom, which who is not what I listening appreciate to her.
1: About the movie is that he obviously is the one who is conniving and resentful. But you, over the course of the movie, learn that she's pretty messed up as she well. She's messed
0: up, of course. She's messed and, and, up, and and then
1: you associate that with the moms, like the the. the oh, but
0: the, yeah, the mom is just awful. What
1: what their their sort of um their sort of psychosis that you that that is sort of revealed over time the nature of how they're kind of awful uh, career grabbing people. Um, the, the transactional way, like the, I like the idea that sex is somehow this like transactional thing that they need to essentially commemorate, like they need to do it for their relationship no, to essentially they endure. To, they need to
0: either do it or not do it or do it in specific ways in order to communicate to the audience how their relationship is going, because that's the only No, that's, I that feel that like that's
1: how they communicate to each other how their relationship is going, <sighs> that they have nothing else really, they're, they're such a... Uh, ciphers because they can't they can't be in a relationship during the day. They have to be these detached people in their office. I think there's a little more going on than you're giving it credit I for. I just
0: I don't I don't buy it. I mean,
1: what are you buying exactly? I, it's a movie, Colleen. I know. Do you, it's did a you movie. buy Wish? Did you buy? But
0: I just, I just, again, like, I just think this exact plot line—it's heightened so it's, much. It's, it's, it's not it, even, but heightened to what? Like heightened it's, it's,
1: to its non-believable no,
0: extent. It just, I just, it, it wants to be believed. I, I feel like it's trying to teach us something, and it's like this.
1: every no, every I did not, professional no, woman knows no, this. No, I don't think it's trying to teach. I think it is I trying just, to be a kind of throwback like late 90s early 2000s I think there was, thriller there was a that, review
0: to that effect that has that a I little read, bit yes. more on
1: its mind that's what i think god that's god. what i think it's all it's trying I to be i don't think
0: it sticks the landing i mean i was reading so many like almost breathless reviews of this movie thinking did i watch the same thing
1: well i'm not breathless <laughs> i just but i really liked I, it
0: oh god i just it was I mean, that exact plot line was integrated so much better into blue eye samurai okay and, and just with with you know Character development consequences. Did you not like what um, we
1: uh, Aldrig Alglick or what? Alden. In, did you like his performance? Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah. With the detour. With the so simple. <laughs> yes. I want to <laughs> give him credit. Can I shout him out specifically? Okay. Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to repeat it now. So it's, it's kind of frustrating, but uh, he had like the worst news about him in relation to the Han Solo movie, where it was. It was reported that an acting coach came to him to essentially teach him how to do Han Solo.
0: Was it Ray Fine? <laughs> Did they work on <laughs> that pronunciation? Would
1: that would have been great. <laughs> but I'm just thinking, like, what in it? Because that whole movie had such trouble production. And I eventually yeah. saw it and I was like, yeah, it's fine. Um, he was fine to it in it. But um, it was what an embarrassing. Uh, news to have reported about you and then he shows up in Oppenheimer and I really liked him in this as someone who is smiling with his eyes but is clearly the most obviously resentful awful person
0: yeah and also just inept I mean yeah eventually he literally throws himself at his boss's feet to like try and get a I mean it was just it's just like I'm just loving like The red flags are all over this guy, lady. (laughs) And like, she should have just dumped the guy. The instant this came out, like the fact that it drags on that long, the fact that she puts up with her mother, like throwing a giant. Engagement party, whatever, which that also doesn't make sense thinking about it because at one point the boss is like, oh, you clawed your way up from Long Island and then Harvard and this and this is like the implication being like she's got this like, you know, class chip on her shoulder and yet her engagement party happens and her mom's like booking some swanky Manhattan place and flying in Aunt Lola or whatever. Like this is not so much a class resentment thing like as a geographic resentment. I just I don't understand It it made no sense that this, it it was just, it was contradictory, but yes, the mother was awful and just wasn't listening to her daughter, but you know, she should have known better than to, you know, allow things to get out of control because this cannot possibly be the first time her mother has been
1: extra about her without her permission. (laughs) It implied that they were sort of getting off on it, spiraling out of control. That was the sort of twisted angle of it, that there was something about it that that brought them closer in this twisted sort of way I didn't because they sort of revealed more about each other because they're so stilted every other time. I, I might be projecting. I have no idea. Um, but I, I, uh, I understand what you mean about yeah. it being somewhat obvious, but I don't think the movie had like greater aspirations than to just be kind of a, a, a thriller.
0: I mean, she just needed to dump this dude, go find some like sweet stoner entrepreneur with a but head shop. Then the shop. movie
1: wouldn't happen.
0: I mean, it just I know but it just this the, ugh. <laughs> that's I guess that's the point I don't think this needs to happen that kind of narrative I think is really important because it is just so common it's, it's can we
1: compare this to naiad for a second <laughs> do you think that movie needed to happen
0: um I mean need is a very
1: yeah uh, <laughs> interesting word to use
0: I I think I if, if you are my, my thing on NIAD, I, you know, I, I recommended it under duress.
1: Yes, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> because this was I recommended Fair not Play first, under, second. under. Now, you know,
0: I watched NIAD and I, I have my reservations about it, especially aesthetically. But I really loved the performances here. Jodie Foster is in it. I think like the most comfortable she has looked in a role in ages. Like she could just roll out of bed and play this lady. I, well, I
1: think that's part of the problem. I think that's
0: maybe. Um, but Annette Benning, <laughs> Annette Benning has to Bening's work. Benning's great. Yeah. She's fantastic. And this would have been a really difficult thing to pull off yes. just physically. Like I think she really lobbied hard for this role to begin with. And then she got it and sort of woke up and realized what's your she history talks about,
1: with Annette Benning?
0: Um, I don't have a history with net bending, um, but uh, the kids and, but are all she, right. Kids are all right. Yes. Um, Did you
1: ever see Grifters?
0: I have not seen Grifters. Um, she was, of course, an American Beauty. Um,
1: oh yeah, I yeah. That. Um, and Grifters. Which, she, which there
0: still, was what is it? The American President. And how American many American president? films is she in? Oh gosh, a bunch. But um, but Grifters. anyway, but she she finally she got the role and then realized oh, you know ish. I, now I have to learn how to swim. <laughs> like real competitive swimming so yeah i mean she really gets into it and grifter
1: she's much younger obviously and and she plays a very exuberant con woman and I always remembered her so it's it's John Cusack and Angelica Houston and they and Annette Benning they're the, that the, sounds
0: fantastic it's pretty
1: good and they're the three main titular grifters uh-huh. and Annette Benning' is essentially just seducing like her landlord to get more rent and you know taking off her clothes and going into his bed and whatever but what I really liked about Annette Benning in that movie is that she's very excited to be conning people like she's like hello I'm just can I please stay like she's not she's not like a typical sort of finfi towel person whereas john cusack's trying to be cool and he's got the he's, shades he's john
0: cusack right yeah. but
1: uh annette Benning's just like oh you know could you pay for my month of rent blah 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 and What's i was Angelica just
0: like a houston doing in all of this she's
1: plays john cusack's mom it's complicated what? it's oh. a comp yeah it then it gets sort of oedipal and twisted and oh it's pretty good but it's a twisted little con oh. man movie um the main thing about it is it's them three and they're each in a different uh, frame, or uh, it's like the screen is bu- uh, cut three ways, and it's Angelica Houston walking to do something, John Kewson walking to do something, and the net binning. So it's like grifters. It's like this cool. And I think on the VHS cover, it was like that, where they're each divided into this. What would that be called? Uh, split screen? Uh, but three way split screen.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Anyway, uh, kids all right. She's great with Julianne yeah. Moore. Yep. Um, NIAD is the most predictable thing well of course Um, it is
0: well i mean it's it's a biography it's a biopic we know how it ends
1: i i hate it's a foregone conclusion i hate this kind of biopic colleen where someone (laughs) looked at the story and is like this could be a really good three-act structure this, this is very clearly... This this would make a great film. I can just see it now. It's perfect. We can put her backstory when she's swimming because she's hallucinating. Talk about shooting through an Instagram filter. We'll put oh, that wasn't weird... even
0: Instagram. It's like weird, weirdo, digital... Yeah, she's hallucinating underwater, and they're like CGI magical fish. sea creatures. <laughs> yeah, those are not the best uh. Well, best they, they used
1: a CGI shark at the beginning of the movie that they then use at the end of the movie. I... What I hate about this is not that it's like a bad story or an, in, not a good inspirational story or that the acting's bad or whatever. It's that it feels so cynical in how it's made. It's like we we have this story, let's put it out on Netflix, we'll get these two great actors to sort of give it some legitimacy and we'll just kind of do the bare minimum with the rest of it.
0: Well, so let's, let's t- summarize again briefly Diana Nyad. And, yes. You, I mean, you can Google Diana Nyad. She is a long distance swimmer, uh first to swim from Cuba to Florida. Yes. So I mean, again, there's nothing to spoil. This is like this is in the record books. There's some controversy or, controversy around the accomplishment actually. There's like an asterisk ne- next to it because I guess there's, you know, every sport has its you know, regulatory federation or whatever the federation is not willing to kind of fully credit her for the swim because it's not sure that she followed the quote unquote rules but the rules were only put in kind of after the swim itself like it's it's complicated um the, the film doesn't really get into it um
1: it doesn't get into anything
0: it, well it, it gets into their friendship which i think is meaningful and and it, i think for me it's it's psychologically about what it takes for this person to accomplish it, like the accomplishment itself, again is a foregone conclusion. I mean, you're not sitting there wondering, will she make it or won't she make it? We know they wouldn't be making this 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 biopic. I hope
1: that she wouldn't make it, because uh, at least see, then it would I be think, like kind of kind of interesting. What like, failure does to a person?
0: Well, like how Quentin Tarantino killed off Hitler in his movie. I mean, <laughs> that this, this sort of alternate yeah, throw, history, throw in
1: a random, yeah, like, cosmic event. Yeah,
0: no, but I mean. The, the the point is really about these two women and, and especially Nyad herself and just sort of where does this come from? Because, I mean, if you're, you know, a, a reasonable adult age and you have a mom, sit down and watch Nyad with your mom. First of all, your mom will probably know who this person is. And she became a sportscaster. You know, she had a you know, real long storied career in sports beyond her actual um, sports achievements. Um, but it's it's just you know the way that it's it's not a romance even though both of them are lesbians the way that they have this friendship that is you know mutually motivating and also you know Jodie um, Foster's character is just getting super fed up with the way that Nyad is just you know being very self-centered about this but i mean that's the thing you sort of have to be a jerk about your goals in order to accomplish this she starts
1: off the movie that way she starts
0: off the movie that way like she's a prickly character i mean there are things that yeah. we are not supposed to like like she's not super winsome no in, in In a lot of ways, Um, but it's, you know, negotiating these relationships and who do you bring on board? There's the Navigator, who I thought was an interesting character. very
1: British actor, so it's interesting to see him uh, doing this Um, American accent.
0: uh, So it just, you know... Like is is it a great movie? No. No. Was it worth my time? Sure. I, I would. No. Li- I would like to watch it with my mom. Honestly, I would have to look up the story. Because it is. This, I because mean, she's in her sixties. She's in her sixties when she does this. She attempts it in her twenties and fails, but should... and then manages this at sixty. I mean, look, I, I, I've started going back to the gym again. We've talked about this. <laughs> yes. You know, you're and training. I'm, I'm not training. um, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm getting back on the rowing machine. And we're going to talk about rowing next year when George Clooney comes out with his rowing movie, because I'm going to have some thoughts about that. Um, But anyway, it's, it is just, you know, feeling very different about life and and getting into this, this, this stage where, you know, there is a kind of endurance that you believe you don't have. And it turns out you actually do. And maybe even in Surplus compared to your youth. This is, I think, a very particularly gendered experience. Sure. And that's something that comes out very clearly in this relationship between the two of them. And again, that's not something that we see. That's not something that's obvious. It is particular to this achievement, but the fact of it is transferable to other The way it's female executed makes
1: it feel very obvious, though. Well, I agree yeah. with you that that, yeah. that is not that is not seen that often. I just yes. wish that the execution of it was not so... Clearly, it, it just feels kind of pandery to to, a, to an audience that, like a mom, to, to, like watching it with your mom, it feels very pandery to that audience. And that's not, again, not to say that it's bad, Colleen. Yeah, but this is a but Netflix it's bad. movie. It, I have never felt... I mean. And I would agree with this, ultimately. Uh, I have never felt more not the target demographic. And usually I consider the best movies transcending that. I mean, I've watched tons of movies that I would not necessarily consider myself part of the target demographic of, that are just so good in how they're executed and so non-pandery or predictable. Like Mean Girls. Like Mean Girls. That, <laughs> that's a random example. that I, You I, have I your get,
0: Mean Girls, I have my Magic Mike, you know.
1: yeah. And sometimes potato, they potato. don't transcend. And this movie just, it, it was very frustrating because of how I could just see all the moves. I could see all the things. We're going to put in a little bit of comedy here to make you like this guy and a little bit. Oh, he, the navigator came back because he was the one who rejected it. Cause this is this big emotional moment. When he comes back and I could not be rolling my eyes. It, and what, what really bothers me in the context of biopics, and we'll get to maestro in a second, um, which this is makes an interesting point of comparison. Is it when it feels pandering to the extent that it feels like it's delegitimizing probably the better aspects of the real life story, where where a person's life is truncated to a three act structure, it bothers me because it feels like it's doing a disservice. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, that the message it's good to get out there that we should know about Naiad, but at the same time, it's like is this the best way for us? And maybe it is. And maybe I mean, I'm not gonna make the better naiad movies, so who am I to say, right? But um you know, if you're if you're not watching this with your mom, I don't know what value it has necessarily.
0: Yeah. I mean it, it drags too at some moments. Yes. I mean for me the formal questions are like it just indulges in too many biopic trappings. Yes. There are too many sweeping waterscape long shots
1: yes and oh just, just, just the get credits get to with it. hello darkness my old friend while she's swimming but and... i
0: mean this is her internal soundtrack i guess this is she gets into this like no she's... movie
1: should use hello darkness my old friend no one should use simon and garfunkel except for the graduate uh uh yeah, zach snyder just being zach snyder tried to do it in the watchman movie oh. and, and for a funeral so th- that's,
0: that's your hallelujah basically yeah, yeah. oh okay
1: Well, he he uses Hallelujah too in the watch. Of course, he does. When uh, (laughs) despite the low key
0: moratorium, but anyway, (sighs) anyway, yeah. But so the director duo is Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai Vasarhelyi. I'm sorry, I'm probably butchering this. Uh, They normally do documentaries. They won the Oscar for Free Solo in 2018. That's theirs. So they do sports stuff. Okay. Um, there's a but here i mean because it's a biopic and not a documentary i feel like that transition sort of has eluded them a bit they're like a lot of these like extreme long shots on the water and so on it's like they're documenting the recreation of these moments instead of finding ways to like advance the narrative more effectively
1: right it's 15
0: minutes too long it needs to you know Again, like it, it's real bread and butter is but, this relationship. It's
1: got to have the ordeals so that then they can all come back in the third act. And yeah, da, it's, da, da, da. It, that
0: part is rote, but I, you know, it's, it's, it's good to, for me, it's worth going through that to just have it on. It's Netflix. This is not even get a theatrical Fair release. Fair play is
1: confrontational. No, it's not. It's,
0: <laughs> every woman already knows what that movie is going to do um
1: But again, anyway, you one should not take for granted a movie like Fair Play, and I do not take for granted Nyad, despite not liking episode it. Episode
0: five of Blue Eye Samurai does the same thing, but better.
1: Okay, well, I, I, multiple I stand different by things can exist. That's simultaneously. true. Multiple
0: multiple Nyads can exist. But anyway, multiple Nyads. What you,
1: <laughs> well, Speaking I mean, there of, are,
0: there are other. uh
1: Can I talk about Maestro? Okay, this is should hot I off the it? presses.
0: Should I see it?
1: Here is the thing about Maestro. Uh oh. I liked it more than Nyad. Um It's a mixed bag in the very sense of the word, but it's not an uninteresting mixed bag. There are some objectively great things about it. I think that, um, gosh, I just forgot her name. I was going to say Cillian Murphy. That is not no. her name. Carrie Mulligan. What? <laughs> Same I often, initial. <laughs> I assume, initial. associate Carrie Mulligan and Cillian Murphy. <laughs> Uh, with the same kinds okay. of roles, no. <laughs> Carrie, Carrie Mulligan. I've been a fan of Carrie Mulligan since uh, an education. Uh, her debut role. It makes me now want to watch Promise a Young Woman that much more. Um. uh She is fantastic in Maestro. She she is the MVP. <laughs> she sells the entire movie partially because the movie is somewhat about her more so than it is about Lenny Bernstein. Um. It's about sort of the wife, but it, but in its way, it's very cliched it's the person behind the maestro she's the real maestro is it
0: based on her memoir
1: uh, i don't know i think it's a script that they just wrote oh okay um bradley cooper and some other person because
0: um the one that they did for stephen hawking is based it's on his yes. wife's memoir i, I hear yes.
1: that people have compared it to that yeah. but carrie mulligan is so good and what essentially what the movie is is it's not so much about Linny Bernstein. Or it's, it's, you get to call him Lenny, huh? Well, that's how they, it's less effective as a meditation on his creative practice as it is about their relationship. You should know that going in. Even though the movie flirts with trying to be about his internal struggle, the movie ironically opens with a quote from him or someone that says, you know, great art is meant to provoke questions, not necessarily provide answers. And the irony being that the movie doesn't promote any questions at all and is very on the (laughs) nose and answers everything right away. Um Ooh,
0: on the nose, is that a commentary on the discourse?
1: Uh well uh, yeah, not to be funny. Okay. All right. Um but uh she is fantastic in every scene that she is in, because uh, essentially it's he it's difficult to say, again, maybe more ambiguous, but he essentially is uh gay, or at least uh lives, you know, with a man at the beginning of the movie, um, played by <laughs> One of the Magic Mike uh, strippers, um, the 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 guy who's like the Barbie oh, one,
0: yeah, Matt sang- Bomer, yeah.
1: So he's living with Matt Bomer at the beginning of the film. Oh. Gives him a foot massage.
0: Oh, like you do.
1: Uh, and then he meets Carrie Mulligan, and he's an enamored with her. And then they get married, and she's well aware that he's, you know, been with men and all this stuff.
0: Oh, it's like Passages, basically. But, Maestro and Passages would be a good, apparently. Uh, yeah.
1: But he, he, when they're married, he has the he wants to he wants to be with these other younger young men. Chaos he has
0: bisexuals a, of twenty twenty three.
1: He has a type, but he also has a family. So if you want to see like a pretty well made relationship drama. I think the the cinematographies can be very very nice. Um, there is some blonde influence. What? Not in a bad way, Colleen. Don't <laughs> give me that look. <laughs> I can't that it's, help it. You said it's the a magic li- word. It's a little wackadoo. There's some cool uh, transitions of li- him like running from his apartment into the theater. There's a great little dance number that sort of interrogates his. Uh, his sort of um, chaos bisexuality actually in an interesting sort of way. That's very kind of this fun flight of fancy. I think the first half of the movie is actually pretty great in terms of getting you invested. Carrie Mulligan's very luminous and beautiful and it's this kind of classical Hollywood approach to their romance. And then um, essentially what it boils down to spoilers, I guess for Maestro is she slowly dies of cancer at the end. Yeah. And it's very sad. And but the movie does not feel like it has earned that emotional mo these emotional moments. It's not very it feels a little manipulative. And and you're left the ending of the movie not really knowing much about him or his practice. And and a lot of it feels very surface. Um but again, if you want to see a better than average, there's and Bradley Cooper to his credit, there's one bit where he's essentially because Linda Bernstein apparently had this very kind of sing-song kind of charm to him, where he'd be like, oh, how are you doing? And there's a part where he seduces, essentially seduces a guy to kind of come with him to, to kiss him. And it's a very well-acted bit where he's sort of like, oh, where have you been? I feel like I've known you all my life. Did you come out of my pocket? Let's. I'm going to go get some air. And, and you're just sort of like, whoa, you're, you're moving very fast, uh, Lenny. Um but my point is it feels very natural in a movie that otherwise his performance feels like he's 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 working too hard. There Where, is
0: an element of try-hardness about yes, Bradley Cooper as yes. long as he's playing somebody other than a total jerk.
1: Yes. Or and, uh, he's really good at Nightmare Alley. He's really the hangover, good. Hangover. Yeah, yeah. The
0: Hangover movies. That's Bradley Cooper. Well,
1: I didn't think they would come up but Well, uh, sorry. Uh, Nightmare <laughs> Alley, he has kind of like a southern twisty southern thing. Yeah um but yeah so there is an element yes, of earnest
0: it's a little teeth grinding yeah yeah uh, so that's what we get uh, here but there's some
1: there's some cool like they're they're arguing at a pool and this is such a cool choice he's arguing with Kerry mulligan because carrie mulligan's fed up with his crap by this point and um it's shot from like behind like a veranda or like a like a, I don't know what you would call it, like a like a vines on like a archway. It's like a very nice house that they're living, in, but they're behind a gate, and it's this incredibly wide shot of them behind a the gate arguing, and it's this interesting way of shooting it, where obviously their audio is very clear, but it's this kind of distance uh, to their conflict, and it's just a cool way of shooting it. So yeah, I I think, but to give you an example of the tryhardness and the, the obviousness of it, there's a shot. Of him conducting, and Carrie Mulligan is in his shadow as he's conducting,
0: oh is she now and
1: and I'm watching this going, okay, this looks pretty nice, but <laughs> the I know like, yeah, we yeah. know what you're doing, yeah. here, um, but I do think it's a it's a hard movie to dismiss, uh partially because of Carrie Mulligan. She's very, 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 very uh just
0: so what you're saying uh, is best actress, best supporting maybe
1: for for. They best actress. As, no, she you, she what, would is Would they so, picture as
0: lead or supporting? Do you think she's lead? She's lead. Uh, okay. I think
1: she um, she completely steals the movie. Okay. And she kind of makes the movie worth watching. Again, if you're wanting to see a better than average drama, it's pretty good. If you really want to watch a decent biopic about Leonard Bernstein, I'm not entirely sure if it does what you want it to do. Because it, I don't know. The, this kind of, they're behind every great man, there's a great woman." It it does feel. Um, that's a nice sentiment, but it does feel like the movie is handling it in a very sort of... surface Oh, surfacy, there's a beautiful
0: mind too. Come to think of it,
1: handling it in a very sort of surface. Do you remember a beautiful way. mind? No, Probably I never not. watched it.
0: No, oh, okay, that's also in a similar vein. But there, it's um, I forget his name. It's Russell Crowe playing a mathematician, um, who ends up, you know, getting really bogged down in mental illness of some kind. And the, the wife, who was his student, already kind of icky, um, you know, kind of seeing him through these difficulties. And he came up with game theory and changed economics forever. Anyway. But yes, the end is basically like, and I owe it all to my wife. when we see her in the audience, and he's accepting some awards. I think I know. I think
1: I saw it, and oh um, I'm thinking of ending things. They put the beautiful mind. It was speech, similar.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Because yeah. Charlie
1: Kaufman worked uh-huh. on that movie. Some sort of oh, weird. Yes. There's some sort I of weird, twisted, like backstabbing thing, and wow. I'm thinking of ending things. Um, wow. Because I think there's also people with bad age makeup. We probably referenced this on the podcast before. But anyway, oh yeah,
0: yeah, like the age makeup. Yeah.
1: Maestro is better than you would think it would be, but ultimately doesn't add up to much. Okay. Except a very, it'll good...
0: add up to a few Oscars probably, and then no one will watch it after next year.
1: It's a little weirder. I appreciate the blondish, like weirdness, flights yeah. of fancy, but the movie doesn't really maintain that. There's, and then it ends. Do you mind if I give away like a shot near the end? essentially it's a
0: biopic there are no spoilers he, he
1: it's a very leathery you know prosthetic filled bradley cooper which to my mind, it seems like lenny bernstein was a very kind of sweaty leathery looking guy anyway um when he's conducting well, they I mean, show some was footage the of 70s, him right so. but it's him like like dancing with a young student that he was teaching a, a scene before and he's sweating and he's smiling and it's this like kind of grotesque shot of him in this dance party and i'm like what is this? What am I meant to get? So, yeah, and then by that point, Carrie Mulligan is not on the screen, and so you kind of are losing interest. <laughs> um, but it's amazing. Like I always, I always underestimate the power that she has. I mean, she's in Drive. Yeah, um, and education obviously is her big coming out movie. Even like Great G- Gatsby, she yes, she really brings a level yes. of. Uh, sweetness and sincerity to that. That's movie. true, and also theatricality because it's also you know Buzz Lerman's. Yeah, she's not like playing it completely straight. She's no, like, no, yeah. Gatsby, who is this guy? You know, she's yeah, doing yeah. her. So anyway, worth watching for that maybe. Not much else. Are you going to rush out and watch it?
0: I don't know about rushing out, but sure.
1: Okay. I mean,
0: we're starved for content as we were talking about. We <laughs> I mean, were just waiting for stuff. to You grow. could
1: rewatch Fair Play, and then you'd understand oh, its God. intricacies. Oh and, God. And I'll no. rewatch Naiad. Oh.
0: Uh. I'm not asking you to rewatch it. I should have had you watch Passages.
1: Yeah, you should have. Well, but
0: Nyad is not bad. I think you're you're doing it slightly dirty.
1: I think you're doing Fair Play slightly dirty. How about I'm, that?
0: I'm dissing Fair Play very openly. I'm <laughs> not doing it dirty. I'm dissing Nyad for its <laughs> <Okay>. BS. <laughs> but Annette betting.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: but er- Foster. Alan Ergenhurt, or whatever his <laughs> name is. <laughs> what about Alan Ergenhurt? Um, and the lady from Bridgerton, and that one British actor. I, I don't
0: know anything about Bridgerton, and I, I, I appreciate the sort of crossover with Lynch, though. That is, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's deliberate.
1: So maybe that's all I'm. Because I'm yeah, I mean, the, the, the movie is
0: also like, this is ridiculous that he's going to this like, like. Yeah. Yeah, the movie knows how. Okay, so um, speaking of form and emotional manipulation, shall we talk a little bit briefly about Leave the World Behind? Sure, speaking of Netflix. we did not recommend to each other. No. But we, just, we both happened to watch it, I think, the same weekend. Yes. Um, big stars. You've got Julia Roberts, Ethan Hawke, Mahershala Ali. Yes. Uh, Kevin Bacon shows up in order to anchor this film to everything in Hollywood for the past 60 years.
1: He's like in next for like entry, 10 minutes.
0: He's, it doesn't matter. Six degrees, baby. 6 degrees. Now, here's a degree to Kevin Bacon that everybody needed. So, you know, we appreciate Thank you, Kevin. Yeah. You know, you you know the rules of your game. So, this is adapted from a novel that uh, came out during COVID, Ruman so it was very Alam. hot. Yes. Yeah. Um and it's really obvious to me that this is a literary adaptation, that hmm. this was not conceived as a film project. Um it's like the names are weird and it's like visually it's just too slick by about half.
1: So the Mr. Robot showrunner. It's, yes.
0: Um, what's his name? Sam S- Sam Esmiel. Yeah. Yes. Mr. Robot is what put him on the map. Um, I think it's, it's pretty just, sl-
1: I, I think the sleekness of how it's made is fine. I have no
0: issue. I just, it. I mean, all of these drone shots for what? Like I just, I, the music is really what gets me. Like, I like there's the music too. Very <laughs> consciously over the top. And, and you know, it's this over-the-top music with these drone shots, these vertical shots. Just, I mean, uh, what for? I, I don't thought know. You, I it, thought you
1: like camera movement.
0: I do. I like it, but here it's just not... Like, I, I don't understand the purpose that it's serving. Like, I think we're supposed to be casting eh, judgment went, on these of, characters. On I just... I mean, he's doing it because he can, but it's like there's no... Clear thematic tie-in here.
1: Apocalyptic anxiety. I appreciated the music and the kind of more. Like extreme wide shots of the city or of the sun rising or of the sunset. We,
0: we, we neglected to do a plot summary again.
1: There's an a, a apocalypse. They go to well, a. Well, no, remote. but they,
0: that's not how we begin. We open on the couple, they Ethan Hawk and Julia Roberts. They've rented a house. Rented a house. It's probably slightly this beyond their means. Kind of awesome. Down the island.
1: Opening animated credit sequence. Did you like that?
0: Was I even watching the credits? Oh, my God. I don't remember
1: you were debating the intricacies of fair play. No, it's um it's uh it's a cool animated like war and tanks and there's kind of a, a... Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Your sc- are you yeah. You don't like it? I thought it was kind of awesome. Just, it's nice. like this kind of black and the red... The killer
0: earned that like ridiculous credit sequence. And here it's just like what are you It's like it's trying to be the killer, but this isn't this, this isn't the same kind of movie. It just I don't know. It sort of felt I'm like... I'm not seeing that connection at it all, It felt but like the production was just like, we're going to take what's successful about these other recent successes and like... The killer's but, but I mean, completely it have different
1: that. credit sequence. What are you talking well, about?
0: Well, but it's again, like the real like flashy, like, I don't, I don't know. It just, it feels like Netflix is trying a thing with these flashy credits and I don't think it really needed to do that here. Okay.
1: So anyway. Julia Roberts, Ethan Hawke, and their two children, they go to a remote house, and then it becomes... Down
0: Long Island. I mean, not so remote. It's... Not
1: so remote. And then yeah. there's uh, Funny it's Games. It's probably
0: still on the train line, if you think about it.
1: And then Funny Games happens.
0: Basically, yeah Yes. <laughs> Except it's not quite funny games. It's like, with so they an rent apocalyptic
1: twist, yes. Yes,
0: they, they rent this house, they go to the beach, and strange things start happening. Like, there's a ship that runs aground.
1: Which is an awesome sequence.
0: That is pretty cool. Dread. Like, yes, when we, when we get to the apocalyptic stuff, it's really well done. Yes, yes. But it's a series of moments that isn't really well threaded together by what happens in between but those specific apocalyptic moments are pretty cool the i would give it that cool, yeah. the boat is really cool um when you know the the deer start hurting strangely that's that when is i like...
1: start to check out but anyway oh, really
0: see I, I i
1: cgi deer
0: it is cgi deer but like i i the way that they sell it the actors really like sell the terror of something like that i think so that that brings me back in um <laughs> The, the Teslas. I, I don't even want to spoil the joke <laughs> about the Teslas, but that's also really well done.
1: But it's um, uh but uh what's his name? So Ali Mahershala Ali, Ali and
0: his daughter, um show played by, an, played by middle... an actress named Mihaela, I think. And I think she's the MVP of the whole thing, actually. She's okay. She, I think, I mean, her her character is really the linchpin of these relationships because she's the one who comes in. So yeah, you know, Ali and Mahela show up at this house. Yes. And it's apparently their house. I mean, their that they family. They rented house. it out, and they rented it out, and stuff happens in the city, and they're just like, "We can't." We 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 showed up here because things are getting weird in the city, so we just came out, and the family renting the place is just like, "Who are these?" And of course, there's like the racial tension because yes. you got the white family renting this from the black family, and there's there's a lot of mistrust, especially it's very from, on the nose. It's way too on the yeah. nose. It's, it's way too on the nose, and I also have to say, like, I love Marshall Ali as an actor, Me too. but I feel like he's too polished for this role. Like, you've got Ethan Hawke, who's basically playing Jesse from the Before trilogy, yeah, In a slightly, it's, you know. it, it, it's the same character, the exact same character as Jesse, um, who is somehow married to Julia Roberts, who is Julia Roberts. Sort of Karen ish Yes, yeah. exactly. Karen ish is Julia weird Roberts. For
1: Julia Roberts. It's but,
0: yeah, but I'm I. She's enjoying herself. But, yeah, it's nice to see her. But it's I haven't like, seen her in a movie in a yeah, while. But, I mean, but, like, it could have been schlubbier. I think it would have sold itself better with schlubbier leads. But Mahershala Ali especially is just, like, like I mean, he's he's too perfect. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I wonder if that isn't part of the point. But, like, no, I like him initially, is, yeah. He, I mean, he's likable. Like, the way – I have no problem with the way that he's performing. But I just feel like Napoleon, like Idris Elba, who I think could, like, pass for a little more, like – middle-aged patriarch a little bit better than Mahershala Ali because that's, that's sort of the character. I mean, it's an established person, but I guess, in finance.
1: This is in the movie and The the Guest, very appropriately, which is uh, Dan Stevens. There's something about someone who seems perfect that makes them more, deli- more untrustworthy. So the fact that Ali is dressed in this, um, like, tux... And he's very he's very well spoken in terms of like how he's presenting the the awkwardness of the situation that makes you almost not trust him more. And, well, I'm, and I'm talking Steve, about
0: the hours that he has in the day to spend at the gym. That's let's be honest. But he's
1: not like shirtless in the movie. It
0: doesn't matter. Uh, briefly, <laughs> like, that's he is, how much that's how long he spends at the gym. Like you don't even have to see him shirtless. I'm
1: aspiring to be <laughs> it's like, like, like him um
0: it is just i mean like this perfect male specimen shows up at the door and i know just but that, like... that's
1: that's the that's the creepiness that that is that is essentially what dan stevens i i believe that because you immediately know that he's a little too smooth and the fact that he is sort of hiding something is part of it i think i agree with you though that as he sort of unravels in weird ways near the end of the movie yeah it doesn't it doesn't fly at all because no, he's doesn't. too he's too um he is too cool he is he, yeah. too um unflappable yeah. yeah
0: like just yeah he's supposed to be unflappable and then he's the one who sort of goes off the rails a bit
1: like even um, in even in moonlight that's part of yeah. why he's cast in moonlight yes. is that he is the, the the he is a weirdly um a uh, kind of uh clear father figure. And, yes. you're, and you're like, what? Yeah. And, and then because but, it's him. Yeah. and, yeah. Then,
0: and But then he uh, in Moonlight, he's also sort of code switching for different situations. Yeah. You know, he's out with his dealers yeah, and he's yeah. sort of one way. He finds this kid and he's, you know, very clearly paternal. He's trying to deal with the kid's mother and his... You know, trying to present a different face. So he's, you know, navigating all these different spaces in moonlight. And he's only in the first act, I think, yeah, yeah. right?
1: And he makes a so big, big impression. He makes a and then huge impression. House of Cards, we also How, like he's the, home. Yeah. One of the
0: best things about House of Cards. Uh, they did him dirty there. But I mean that's the part that's the whole point of that show. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, but the daughter, I think, is really like yeah, you know, she she's worried about her mother who was not with them. Yes. She was traveling and there have been all these plane crashes. So, you know, she's operating on the assumption that she's never going to see her mother again. Um, and she's dealing with these, you know, suspicious white people <laughs> who or are untrusting. You know, and I mean, she twitchy. completely doesn't trust them. Yeah. Whereas, you know, her her dad, Mahershal Ali, like kind of doesn't bring himself to admit that he doesn't trust them either. <laughs> I mean, so she at least is, you know, a bit more honest about the way she's feeling and and you know what's going on so i mean she's sort of our anchor um I mean, especially when Julia Roberts gets a little too on the nose with the racism and stuff. Um, well, like, once like you she's, learn that she's they're really legit, just...
1: then, then you yeah. sort of are on their side. But
0: but yeah. especially her. I mean, really, because like, cause like the, the teenage boy of the white family is like sneaking photos of her by the pool. And like, is just ugh. Like she's got to deal with a whole lot, I guess, in this situation that the other people are not clearly. But I think
1: with. fundamentally, the main issue with the movie is after that initial setup, even despite all of this talent on screen. Yeah. You realize you don't really care about any of no. them. No. And 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 there I do want to point out though that it's like it's like way too long of a movie which I think goes yeah. back to it being a literary adaptation. Yeah.
0: They didn't want to cut anything obviously. But, but I mean it's it's just, just a, let's see what happens with these two characters together yeah. and now we're going to put yeah. these two characters and you're together like, I don't and care. and it's just like get to the point. Get <laughs> like, to the
1: apocalypse stuff. I mean um the more CGI deer um <laughs> I do, I do think though that that I disagree that I think the score, I think the slickness of how it's made in some mm. respects, specifically about a third or halfway through the movie, there is a very engaging parallel editing sequence where you're following Ethan Hawke, Ali at the at another person's house, and I want to, oh, and then and then then it's the two kids sort of arguing in a shed. And there's this palpable tension and ratcheting up. Yeah. And great editing. And they're all uncovering things simultaneously. Yes. And I and I watched that and I was completely uh hooked with the movie at that point. I would have finished the movie. Eleven I put it on like at midnight just to oh, see how it was. Jeez. And and that is that was a moment we're like, oh, this is getting really this is getting really good. Um, and unfortunately, I think I liked it more than you based on our previous discussions of it i do agree that in the second in the last third especially the third act it just kind of goes and (laughs) and you're and you're sort of you're left going well i I," there's a sort of morality question about society and there's some fun stuff where ali talks about how the, the rich all they can hope for is a a word in advance about the apocalypse, which I thought was a they, yeah. They creepy... can't
0: prevent anything. They, yeah, they don't like... control anything, but yeah, they just want advanced heads
1: notice. up. Um, uh, and the, and... the
0: fact that they like s- they they sort of sniff out this other family that has a bunker yeah. somewhere, like that's inside information. <laughs> but that it's the builders who know. I mean, the builders are like, yeah, we built this guy a bunker, like totally yeah. off books. And da-da-da-da. Kevin Bacon like, mentions yep, it. Yeah, yep, yep. So but that, that's Kevin Bacon's big info reveal
1: But ultimately yeah the messages are very obvious any sort of cathartic moments between characters by the end you're like yes we knew we know about this <laughs> we know this is what the movie is about yeah. let's get to the fun um and like really clichéd things like the kids teeth falling out it's like apparently that was in the book but Probably. it's so from a horror movie perspective it's so obvious as a as like a oh this is scary now it's like yeah just just stuff happening at a yeah, certain point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just something to keep it, it going. It doesn't build to anything. Yeah, something to keep it going. It's something yeah. to like separate characters from each other to again get these different um these different permutations of character interactions going. But
1: those those kind of apocalyptic set pieces, that parallel editing part and I think yeah. the funny games premise is cool and the and that boat sequence. I think they make them worth watching. Just at, at a certain point when you're watching it and you have like 30 minutes left you can just turn it off and you're probably you're probably (laughs) your own
0: ending choose your own adventure because i mean it is it's basically an alien invasion plot but instead of aliens we're it's humans doing it to ourselves um which again like that's sort of telegraphed from the beginning that it's just yeah like that's not a reveal at all i would be better
1: if it was aliens
0: I mean, anyway. be more um, interesting. be weirder. So there are like a bajillion producers on this
1: movie. Yeah, Julia Roberts is one of them.
0: And she is. And you know who else? Barack and Michelle Obama. Yes. Why are the Obamas <laughs> producing Leave the World Behind? It's
1: some sort of conspiracy by the deep state. <sighs> I, I
0: I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> but just just purely from- That was a from, joke, by the way. Oh, no, I, I understand that. But just purely from an industry standpoint, like- it's been how long What now, like eight years since the Obama presidency, I'm just, up to eight years?
1: It feels and, like 20. Uh,
0: let's not get into that. <laughs> um, but there has been a clear pivot from the sort of post-presidency, like, you know, the shock has worn off, et cetera. And they have really gone into media production. Yeah. There was a documentary about American manufacturing that, you know, my husband, who studies manufacturing, watched with great interest. Um, but this I think is their first foray into fiction and you know, Barack Obama made himself known as a reader. I mean, I think that this book was on his best of list. when He's also listed
1: as annihilation as one of his best films. So he's, he has good taste. He has.
0: Yeah. And so, yeah, and obviously (laughs) he, he does like this weird apocalypse. Annihilation is a vastly better movie. (laughs) Yes.
1: I would completely agree with that. Uh, I I I really liked
0: annihilation. Um, and it didn't feel like such a literary adaptation as a movie this one really you feel the bookness of it yes i wish i I wish you didn't because i don't think you had to so anyways um that's that's neither here nor there it's just it's just puzzling a bit about why the obamas would go all in with something like this
1: okay you can post about it on your I guess. Log.
0: I mean, mm. that's just really idle thoughts. But it's just it's it's jarring when you go through like 17 producers and then Barack and Michelle Obama. You're just like, what? <laughs> and then there's like no uplift. No, like, America rah-rah. It's just it's a very bleak ending <laughs> for something like that, which I thought is also, but also like, not, what are they
1: trying to tell us? Not committing to the bleakness either. Is huh? this
0: the, well, kind of, but I mean, is this the heads up? But like, they're trying to make it funny like at, a, at one level the the ending is like
1: I, I don't yeah i don't it's just kind of a meh. anyway yeah meh.
0: i'm done talking about this movie i, think, I have
1: you. can I, a random movie i don't know how long we've been going on um Too random long, random movie to throw ahead. out there no one will save you Is anyone no hard feelings and no one will save you <laughs> uh no and one, leave
0: the world behind and leave the world
1: behind maestro we can. um <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really connect. Um, no one will save you. I-, I-, I wanted to mention. We don't have to talk about it. Uh, is a- Is a very slight movie. It's an alien invasion movie. That its main gimmick is it's one of the girls from Booksmart. Hmm. Um, essentially, with no talking, it's kind of a silent movie. She huh. doesn't say anything. She's in a house. She's isolated from her community. Uh, There's a reason for that. You learn about this past trauma and the resentment that the town has over her and she doesn't say anything. And then coincidentally, aliens uh, start attacking her house. Um, And as a home invasion alien movie that makes the cardinal sin of showing too much of the aliens. So you really get a good sense of these are some silly looking CGI aliens and it's not particularly scary. But as I look back in my rear view of 2023, I appreciate it that it exists Um, it, it, it has a little bit, it's a little bit of fun. It it tries to be a little bit more arty with her as a character and sort of the, the no, no talking thing is annoying, but it's kind of cool that they try to do it. So it's one of those kind of, you know, indie things that, you know, you can appreciate on a, that they, they tried to make an interesting movie. It came directly to Disney plus here. Um, but I'm obviously I'm into alien stuff uh in general so i was intrigued by it but it was fine that's about that's about my only uh, in comparison to another apocalypse um uh what was it called leave the world leave the world behind julia roberts uh leave the world behind
0: <laughs> yeah everyone is focused on julia roberts i find that so interesting but i
1: enjoy apocalyptic narratives in general. It's one reason why I recommend Krampus is I enjoy movies where things go off the rails. Um one movie, one big final movie that I want to talk about. I also watched, speaking of TV, I watched two episodes of The House of Usher. Oh, the Mike Flanagan okay. film. Deeply disturbing and well, gross. It's uh, not a show.
0: It's oh is it sh- it's like, a show. It's, it's a like, a, like show. a limited series. Right. Thing.
1: Yeah. Um shout out to uh Carla Gugino. Huh. Uh very attractive death. Um oh.
0: She plays Death?
1: She plays Death. Oh, good for so her. So if you want to watch her playing Death, I think she's perfect. It's
0: also, I guess, like a real big Edgar Allan Poe mashup, basically. Yes. Like-
1: and and I like Midnight Mass, as I've mentioned. I like Mike Flanagan stuff in general. The thing I didn't necessarily appreciate about this is I was drinking whiskey at the time, not that it matters. <laughs> and something incredibly gross and well-executed effect- well happens in the second episode involving a dance, uh, sex, dance, rave, and acid. Um, that I don't, you could probably fill in the gaps yourself with what that is. And it would it, it turn my stomach in conjunction with the whiskey. But fundamentally, as a show, it feels very mean in a way that's not a, it's a bunch of rich people that the Usher, yeah. Is House,
0: it, it's like a metaphor for the Sacklers or something. And, yeah.
1: And they get, and they all get, but they all die every episode. So you're watching well, people die. Pill. Yeah. And I don't know. It just felt a little, uh, Like, I could. I I was not in the mood to watch people die every episode and these really random. Why would you turn on
0: a Poe adaptation? Wickham, did you not read Poe? I want. It like, doesn't it's, it's have it's the kind of. It's just death. It's replacing. Death, you got Kali
1: in there as like a sexy death, but okay. It, and there's a raven at one point.
0: Of course there um, is. I
1: <laughs> it's replacing the. How po-
0: long do they wait till the raven shows up? It's That's,
1: like the end of the first episode. Uh, so there
0: you go. All but, right. But That's it, the a grand star entrance. There. But it
1: it's replacing a lot of the Poe stuff with this kind of this contemporary social commentary commentary. yeah Yeah. and i kind of wanted more sexy death and (laughs) it's nice to see her
0: sexy death is just constant commentary you don't need to (laughs) set that in a given era i
1: could i could see why people liked it it just didn't appeal to me but the movie that i watched that i probably should have recommended since your your total dismissive dismissal of fair play you what was it Uh, passages Passages. so you should have recommended passages i should have i should have recommended the creator
0: the creator
1: do you know what the creator is? I've I mentioned this to you, you several have, times during life, I lunch. never
0: remember what it is. <laughs> the only thing I remember is that you've mentioned it before.
1: <laughs> Both Fair Play and the Creator have sort of bad titles, but um, uh, the this, Creator is this
0: the weird sci-fi yes. thing. It's it looks like Dune, but it's not Dune. It's
1: it's this crazy uh, Gareth Edwards directed.
0: Is it John David Washington? John David Washington. Okay
1: um and ralph innocent gareth
0: edwards really yes okay i know him from somewhere
1: okay well that's good that makes that's a great point
0: <laughs> no i it's like from something random isn't he the one who directed mary magdalene what talk, talk about deep cuts wasn't that him
1: okay i'm looking up gareth edwards right now he yeah. directed a godzilla movie he yeah. directed rogue one uh, falling in love. He did the production design. I don't know what that is. Monsters. He also directed.
0: Maybe it wasn't Mary Magdalene. No, I don't it think it was he somebody did. else. He does okay. big
1: like science fiction stuff. Okay. Um, this... I really hated Rogue One. By the way, uh, really, that, that's neither here nor there. I didn't. You were like the only
0: one. I, I know. think. A lot of diehards really loved it.
1: It stars John David Washington, uh, gemma uh, Gemma Chan, Gemma ah. Chan. I think it's Gemma. Gemma. Last seen in Eternals, very underrated yes. film. Ken yes. Watanabe shows up. Ah. Sturgill Simpson shows up. Really, as someone and Allison Janney, who you Allison, know of. Jan- I love her, and Ralph Inneson.
0: Oh well, of course he's
1: the he's the he's a cyberpunk evil green knight himself
0: gener- as a as an evil general general American. You did mention this. Yes, he plays American in yeah, this. he's American, but he was also American in the Witch. Is he actually? He's not actually American.
1: No, though. no. In the Witch, he's not. He's he's speaking in this weird dialect. I, you no, can't tell where like, he's from.
0: Puritan, you know. That's the, New, colonial New England. And this he's like, like they're not quite, full they're not, on yes, American they're not, accent. Anyway,
1: okay. Anyway, Allison Janey is this is this villainous character. The creator is is an interesting movie because it's very, very well made. Gareth Edwards directed the crap out of it and he has a good eye for uh World building in terms of his aesthetics, it's essentially this very predictable thing of AI robots versus humans. It's, stop me if you've heard this one. He's a disillusioned dad, John David Washington, who finds a kid that he has to protect in the midst of this ongoing struggle and this war. And he has to take the kid from point A to point B. But... It's very well executed. It's very well done. The set pieces are very nice. The special effects are incredible. It had a very, very relatively low budget, but it's a very immersive uh, world. Um, and it is just one of those things that it's just, it's in its execution. Uh, John David Washington is very, very good in it, but in it, it, the kid is very, very good. It's a, it's a, it's a new child performance. Um, Madeline Yuna uh, Voyez, um, who essentially is the child that will save the world. Again, stop me if you've heard this one before. But in its own cliched way, it builds to this incredibly effective, emotional, huh? suspenseful crescendo. Oh,
0: this is the guy who did the slow Godzilla, right? Yeah. Well, so there you go. That, yeah. that makes sense, yeah. Like you think you've seen Godzilla and then you see the contemplative Godzilla and you go,
1: huh. huh. Well, it's not that contemplative.
0: More so than... Anything Brian called Cranston's Godzilla really good has, in that. yeah, he is. He's very good. Binoche is in that one too. For he? five yeah. seconds. Yeah, yeah.
1: And uh but my point is, um and there's a thing that it does that I, I've appreciated that I want to mention about the creator, is it, it apparently there's a lot of stuff that was edited out and there's like a good middle chunk of the creator that doesn't really work. It feels like a cobbled together from various scenes and it's kind of rushing through stuff. But in the end it it does something for our main character. That is so sweet. It is. It is a. It is a main character who's struggling through this. Uh, this loss that he's experienced, and essentially the movie kind of does him a solid, for lack of a better phrasing. But it. I. I that is so. That is such a nice thing in movies when the screenwriter essentially says we should do something nice for our protagonist <laughs> in a way that feels, it doesn't feel schmaltzy. It does not feel manipulative. It just feels like it's there for him, not for the audience, <coughs> but for him. And by virtue of it being for him, you, you feel it. And my, and I, as I recommended this movie to my dad, who's a sucker for sci-fi. So take his opinion with a grain of salt, but he also agreed that this kind of culmination to this emotionally, a slightly operatic ending is both very refreshing, effective, and surprising. And you could totally be a cynical person watching the creator and be like, I've seen this all before. He's got to protect this kid, blah, 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 etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but if you go with the creator, if you meet it halfway you will i think will appreciate a lot of what it's doing and i think it's a very underrated movie that came out this year it did not get reviewed the people who like it really like it yeah including myself but i it's like a middling like 60 something on rotten tomatoes yeah. um and i think it deserves far better than that i would recommend if you like sci-fi and you don't mind robots versus human narratives it's it's one of those things also like war in 2023 is a very sensitive huh. subject and gareth mm-hmm. edwards in the context of even rogue one the way he sort of sh- uh, and rogue one slightly overblown but in um can i give you sorry i'm talking a lot. can i give you an example from the creator okay there is a so there's robots with human heads and then there's robots with robot heads ken watanabe is a human head because you need to see that it's ken Watanabe, right sure sure there's some rationale for why that has been invented um, there is a robot with a robot head who just curses a lot. At one point, you see him smoking robot bongs. And you're robots like robots smoke bongs. Yes. It's like a universe. robot vape, and he's going, <laughs> and he's got a robot face and he's by a campfire, and I'm like, I like this guy. And he <laughs> he curses a lot. He's like the first mate on the boat. He's like Kenantanabe's right hand robot friend. And at one point there is like a a missile that has been tracked onto this particularly kind of cantankerous robot guy. And he's about to run into a house that's filled with people to save himself. And he stops because he sees it and he lets the missile kind of hit him. And it's this kind of, and like this, this fairly emotionally resonant treatment of kind of wartime moments of heroism that I was not expecting from, a fairly predictable looking story and it's these kind of incidental moments like that that make up why i really enjoy it. this attention to detail and character and that kind of thing so i might be overselling it but i really loved it okay. so I, maybe i should have recommended that instead of fair play i thought fair play was more your speed oh God, but i was no. wrong
0: <laughs> <laughs> i will say fair Play. you were talking about the reviews like the critics liked fair play better than audiences yes it's meta score is like 73 74 like yeah, solidly in the green, and then audience is like six point three. Yeah, <laughs> there's uh, that's a significant split. I it's would, like ha- the I would I would have guessed the opposite. Yeah. Souvenir is less of a surprise. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I was surprised at how the critics really bought into it. Anyway, um, I just want to apologize to Garth Davis, who is the director <laughs> of Mary Magdalene, <laughs> for, for mixing you up with Gareth Edwards. Anyway, Garth Davis, Mary Magdalene, which is you know we're in the Jesus season, so. If you haven't seen Mary Magdalene and nobody saw Mary Are there Mary any Magdalene, robots in it? There are no robots. Uh, but it is Joaquin Phoenix's Jesus playing it straight.
1: I mean, I already knew that. So, so. I mean,
0: if you don't want to go endorse Napoleon, you can go oh, see yeah, it. We, we didn't watch that either. That kind
1: of came and we went, did. didn't it? It did
0: in like, in like a week but I mean we didn't even get into like what's going on with the theaters in Turkey like it's post COVID readjustment part of the problem is the theaters are shrinking Yeah, there are fewer screens stuff just isn't out as long because it's going to be on streaming in a couple weeks yeah. anyway so it is like you have a week to see this stuff maybe two weeks it's if a lot you're of lucky. it's a lot
1: of the children's stuff would be the kids yeah. but that's
0: the thing like as a parent this is also like my kids have just started their two week vacation and so what are we going to do we're going to take them to the movies because yeah. like what else are you going to do at like 2 p.m. on a Wednesday and you just want to think adult thoughts for like an hour of your day. That's, I mean, it's getting to be ridiculously expensive to do this as well. I mean, the prices are all up, the screen numbers are down, but at the same time, there's so much coming out. I mean, you know, our student Adnan Shaheen is working on um, like a Turkish funding scheme for art films basically. And you know, I, I, what, what his work has pointed out so far to me is that there's so much room for some entrepreneurial person to come and do a sort of art house, one or two screen kind of enterprise to just screen this stuff. Go like full France, like go go to like Avignon, study how they screen things, how they program the theaters, do the same thing in Ankara. like like a blue fanache They're they're pretty good about this, but even so, like they can't carry this alone. I think right. the, I think there's demand for it.
1: The Cinema Society is trying to the do cinem- its part yes, too. But yeah. I
0: mean that's the thing. It's it's that's it's it's wonderful if you're at the university, but yeah. what do you do to cultivate cinephilia more publicly? Right, right, right. That's always a problem, um, and you know. Anyway, not to get super far into it, but stuff is changing, and you don't the want Killers to see... The Killers of the
1: Far Moon, it was in theaters, It too. was in
0: theaters, but again, for like two weeks.
1: The Creator was barely in theaters.
0: Was too. it in theaters at all? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was. Okay, so...
1: But that movie was... I mean, I
0: didn't even, I mean, I didn't even know it existed until you started talking about it. A lot of it. people
1: consider The Creator to be like the death knell of like original ideas, big, big budget, original idea movies. Well, but
0: then Barbie is not really original. No. Uh, Oppenheimer... <laughs> was better, still based on a biography. I mean, it's not that IP is dead. It's just that, you know, we do have to have leeway in creating something with it, going against the grain. I mean, as you're saying with like what the creator is doing with war narrative and incorporating these moments where, you know, something is maybe happening that you weren't quite expecting. These are sort of the ways that narratives are starting to shift you know, and I, I, we, we, we have talked around this with women's representation and the yeah. kinds of relationships. That, I mean, this is why NIAD is valuable, despite its many flaws. I grant you this. At Same least with Fair a, Play. Oh, I mean, OK. <laughs> but I, it's, you know, like Anya Den is fantastic. Should I really not it's be championing an, just, this
1: movie? Is I
0: just it's. It, what does that I, say about me? I just, I don't under, I mean, I'm trying to look at this going like, formally, what's interesting about this? Nothing. It's well
1: made. I, uh... What's formally interesting about Naiad
0: Well, I mean, they have to do something with the water. And, like, the, yes, the, the because water that's stuff, the subject matter of the it film. It is, but I mean, it's a problem. It's a filmmaking problem. How do you deal with it? I mean, there are things that they do well, and there are things that they don't do well, right. I think, with the filming of the swimming. Um But anyway,
1: we've (laughs) turned this podcast into NIAD versus fair play.
0: And neither of us is terribly like in our own corners about it either. Um, Um, But anyways, it's, 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 yeah, I mean, so, so much is shifting these days. 2023 really feels like a bellwether in a lot of ways, in a way that 2022 didn't, even though that was sort of immediate kind of post-lockdown society, like, this is really where the chips are starting to fall, Marvel is starting to crumble, Disney has tanked so much as you mentioned. Like,
1: Superior movies in general like Aquaman. I wanted to watch Aquaman 2 before this just out of just for fun. I would like fun. to see
0: Aquaman 2.
1: It looks awful. <laughs> it
0: does. It doesn't matter. It's chasing my mom on screen for 2 hours. It's fine.
1: And uh you know Patrick Wilson is like <laughs> and Patrick Wilson yeah. also, yeah. Yeah, he's like the main it's like a buddy cop thing between, Oh my
0: god. That's
1: true. Um, I I hope about he him. says with great sincerity, I am the Ocean Master
0: again. Yes. Yes,
1: um, what a great film! We should god. have watched that. Why didn't we recommend that to each other? We would have supported theaters. I don't and... think
0: we could with a straight face.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we
0: could do a whole episode on Disney duds. Okay, from twenty twenty three, haunted mansion. Oh god, yeah. Is that even still around, or did they just uh, they didn't did throw it away?
1: I mean, well, people could still watch War- it. Hey,
0: if Warner can do it, how many movies have they just tossed in the garbage? That's
1: true. That's a good point. I
0: just, which is another thing, like. If it didn't actually happen, no one would believe this is yeah, happening. They're yeah. literally throwing movies in the garbage. Yeah, yeah. Disney is like on the skids. What is going on in 2023? There were the strikes. I we're not even getting into the strikes, which have, which have resolved. Yes. I mean, there's so much in flux at the moment. And let's just, let's sit back, appreciate the flux. But, you know, I would hope for 2024 that we managed to move forward a bit more deliberately. And with an eye to giving voice to things that we don't normally see. That's what I would like. What what's your, you know, imaginary resolution for twenty twenty four, Wickham? Twenty
1: twenty four? In terms of movies. To, to watch all of these movies that you say were pushed back for a couple weeks. <laughs>
0: oh God. There's so many that I want to do. We're never gonna watch. have time.
1: <laughs> Dream scenario is sitting there. I know. Nicolas Cage is I gotta face. get Killers
0: of the Flower Moon
1: in there. Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. Um I don't know. My resolution for twenty twenty four is to just just to embrace my my freedom no also I don't everybody
0: has to shave 20 minutes off their movie
1: like yeah
0: just just as a challenge as a favor a personal favor to drive my car
1: <sighs> yes dealman oh no no add 20 no. minutes onto dealman, dealman could director's be, cut of dealman we need
0: like dealman at half speed is what we need <laughs>
1: oh my god what yes sufferable yes. um yeah yeah take 20 minutes off of uh yeah, all of these movies could probably be shorter. I think uh, that Alien Invasion movie is a tight ninety because it has barely any story. Cobweb is a tight ninety. A lot of these more superficial movies—no offense against them—they're pretty tight.
0: Passages tight ninety. Worth it was. Seeing. Oh yeah, I you gotta tell me. see. Yeah. Yep.
1: So I watch passages. You watch the creator. Okay. Deal. We should <laughs> then have then recommended we'll completely different films.
0: <laughs> Ducks.
1: We'll just redo no, this episode. I
0: cannot think of two completely different <laughs> films. <laughs>
1: I do want to say, by the way, creators like two and a half hours. Like it's pretty long, too. Anyway,
0: Anyway, that is our episode. Yes. Do you want to talk us out? No. (laughs) (laughs) You just don't. I'm just looking.
1: I'm looking at Tar now on the back of my phone.
0: But that was three and a half hours. How do we have time to watch Tar?
1: Tar wasn't three and a half hours. It was.
0: It was super long.
1: It was like two and a half hours. Tar was super long. Tar was at
0: least three hours.
1: It just Cars feels like that. No. Two hours and thirty-eight minutes.
0: Okay. What really? Yeah. Didn't even hit three hours. I
1: know, it's just <laughs> the, the, the cumulative cumulative feeling of. But I was not- like,
0: how do we have so much time for this last year? I watched drive my car just like on a whim. But I guess it was on movie, but before the end of the year. Anyways, anyways. And not twenty minutes off your movies, producers, yes. all of you. Um, that is our episode. You Made Me Watch that. That is a production of the Department of Communication and Design at Bealkent University. You can support the podcast by subscribing with your favorite audio app and by following the Beelkent Cinema Society on Instagram at Beelkent Cinema. I'm sure we're going to have some great programming coming in the spring. Our cover art was designed by Denis Vaditongur. Our weekly thumbnails are designed by Tylon Ockel. Our theme music Tylan. was composed by Daziazovsky.
1: Tylon is here. Check T-
0: out more of his music on Spotify. <laughs> and yes, we can sh- now shout out to Tylon, Tylan. who's in studio today. You want to say
1: anything to mark from far away? The new
0: Year no <laughs> great <laughs> this episode was recorded <laughs> by batuhan buldu edited by Taylan akal and produced by Taylan akal and the bilken cinema society with extra to our tech wrangler uzjan Ak- akaj um thank you for coming in and setting this up yes, despite, your, d- despite your winter cold which everybody has stay healthy out there do you have any special thanks
1: i want to give a very traditional warm special thanks to our listeners who have stuck with us through the year 2023 through the ups through the downs and the in-betweens and Colleen I want to give a special thanks to you Aww. for being with us on this journey okay um will you continue to record more <laughs> episodes in 2024 Why are you asking me this I don't know <laughs> Uh, well, what, what about I,
0: my uh, what sub- about this episode gives you the idea that I'm storming out of here?
1: I don't know. Um, do you think do you, do you uh, how do you feel about the future of the podcast? How do I feel about the future? Is of the it po- bright?
0: I, I guess. Um, as and I've that's said, I, that's the ringing endorsement I, we hope to hear. Look, I, I, I will say um, we're we're in the season for juries, especially for fourth year. If you are a rising communication. Um, and design student um, in our department and you were looking for some way to do a communication campaign.
1: Uh, yes this podcast
0: could use one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we need to get the word out we, we need there.
0: somebody to like tie all the loose ends together but again
1: as we've mentioned we we be have the
0: have proverbial rug in the big lebowski you gotta really tie the room together we will continue talking about movies with um with or without Regardless, microphones yes. in front point. of our faces so as long as there are movies to talk about which you know there will be but what kind of movies will there be i just don't know um We'll see. Yeah, no, I'm optimistic. I, <laughs> it doesn't sound. I'm an academic. We I can't just come out with a ring endorsement.
1: I'm optimistic too.
0: Okay. Yes. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you, listeners.